This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Bronner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. Another edition of the opening kickoff. Mark, I'm Lee Shervanian, Michael Bronner, all in the studios of WNSP for the next three hours, right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Not only do we have a lot to get to, of all the stuff that we have to get to, it's all it's over multiple sports. How about that? That's a little change of pace here as we're uh, hot and heavy into November. Good morning, Lee Shervanian and Michael Bronner, of course. Well, the ever-busy uh, Mark Heim is here today. Michael Bronner's in the studio. Uh, we have qualifying going on again for Naaman's uh, tailgating party. Uh, we'll give away a Chick-fil-A gift card. So while we have plenty of football to talk about, obviously a follow-up to Alabama, LSU, uh, the latest on Michigan, and college basketball got started yesterday with a shocker in town. The University of Mobile, for the first time ever in its basketball history, defeated South Alabama. Game doesn't count on Mobile's schedule. Mark, it certainly counts on the Jags. You were there. Yeah. What happened? I can tell you that uh, University of Mobile got out to a fast start, did not miss. They were pumped. They were not intimidated. He's got length. He's got uh, quickness over there. And I'm talking about Darnell Archie, who's going to join us here in about 25 minutes. Um, no, he's he's at 8 o'clock. Oh, 8 o'clock. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, he, I changed things around. Yeah, uh, so we're going to let him sleep in. He probably didn't go to bed till uh, late. Or maybe I just read it wrong. Either way uh, – He's, he's got quickness and speed and length. He's got good length underneath. Uh, South Alabama couldn't throw it in the ocean if they were standing on a boat last night, especially in the first half. They were absolutely horrendous uh, from the field to start the game. Uh, I was telling you before we went on, they shot 21% in the first half. They made six field goals in the first half. They only made three of 16 from behind the arc. They were 18% from the three-point line and only 57% from the free-throw line. They were n- they just weren't good. And then uh, on, uh, to counter that, Mobile just could not miss. They were almost 70% from the field. They were 62% from the three-point line. They, they ran what I call point, which is an offensive set that requires a l- everybody moving, back doors, back cuts, pick and rolls. There's a lot of action away from the ball. South was just kind of standing around and watching the ball a little bit. Uh, things got better in the second half for South. They started pressing a little bit, guys. Uh, didn't get a whole lot of steals, but kind of took mo- it made Mobile very uncomfortable. But they only went seven or eight deep. I don't think they had the legs to keep it up. I kept saying, well, may- maybe if they'd done that the whole game, but they just they didn't they don't have the legs for it. And in the back half of the press just wasn't very good. It was almost like they just threw it in there at the last minute to see if they could get something going. It didn't seem very well executed. Uh, I don't know what ki- – I hate to say it. I don't, I don't know what kind of IQ there is on that team as a whole. I mean, you're, you're at the point where you got to steal and foul, and there were at least two possessions. They got it there to about six or seven. It got to be a really kind of interesting second half there. But uh, – you know, at that point, you got to s- steal and foul, and they tried to steal, 
but there were a couple possessions where they wouldn't go foul, and Richie's screaming for him to foul. Um, but kudos to Darnell Archie and the University of Mobile. That's a huge win for that program. Um, and uh, in front of a really good crowd, by the way. You know, the, the interesting thing is it doesn't count on their record for Mobile. They do not count exhibition games, and this is an exhibit. It's a money game for Mobile. They win 83 to 74, first time ever they had lost nine previous meetings. This is the Jags' first home loss since 1991 92. Uh, so it's not a, a great way to start when you lose to an NAIA team. I looked all over the internet because normally the internet will really play up games in which a FBS team lost. Now, there was another shocker yesterday, and it involves a Sunbelt team. James Madison, having a terrific year in football, went to uh, East Lansing to take on Michigan State and in overtime beat the fourth-rated Spartans by three points in overtime. Uh, Interesting thing here is that Tom Izzo's nephew is an assistant coach at James Madison, but you talk about awful shooting. They were one for 20 from Mm. the three-point stripe. Yeah. And it's only the second time in 44 previous games that James Madison ever beat a ranked team. There was also another surprise, major surprise, you know, with all the hype about the Colorado football program, and remember its first win over TCU. How about yesterday, their basketball, their women's basketball team upset number one ranked LSU. Yeah, Uh, all the pomp and circumstance, and apparently anybody who's anybody was at that women's game. There were a bunch of uh, celebs at that game, and yeah, so basketball got off to an interesting start yesterday, that's for sure. You better believe it. Alabama, by the way, won easily over Moorhead State. All right, let's get <laughs> let, let, no, and, and no, I'm not trying we'll we'll talk about that with Travis Ryer, but let's let's get to some football. So the Big Ten, uh and and again, every day it's something new with Michigan. By the way, even before I get to what the Big Ten did, the Michigan A D was not at the college football playoff committee meeting this week he had more important issues to deal with of course the investigation into michigan so it's a 12-member committee that will come out with the poll tonight so the big 10 has now issued i i guess what you call an edict on punishment for michigan they haven't said what they're going to do they have a lot of options but they have the preliminary is they have to send out a form or whatever it is uh it could be a reprimand it could be a TV ban. It could be a suspension of Jim Harbaugh. Now, you two didn't think anything would happen to him, although I'm hearing more and more from outsiders. It is possible. But then again, on the other hand, you're saying, wait a minute. Why would the Big Ten do anything to derail the season for Michigan? Because they're just biting their own hand. Right. Well, I, that was the com- that was the conversation we had. The problem now is other Big Ten member institutions – are screaming from the from the, from the rooftops, wanting some type of justice here, and so it's really put the Big Ten in a tough spot because, like we talked about, I don't think anybody in the Big Ten wants to, I don't think anybody at the conference wants to discipline them, right? Because this is one of your college football playoff contenders, but everybody else in the conference is screaming for some sort of discipline. Now, the other part of this too is that, as we mentioned yesterday, Connor Stallions is out. Whether he was fired, whether he was on, whatever, it doesn't matter. He refused to cooperate. So the Big Ten then said, look, it doesn't matter that he's out of there. We can still go ahead and do whatever we want to punish Michigan. It's in the edict. It's in the uh, the rules 
of etiquette that if they want not, and we're not even talking about the NCAA now, Mark, because the NCAA is still investigating. They're, they're investigating from years ago. They're investigating the science dealing. So the AD said, you know what? I'm going to skip this weekend. It's been, and he has to recuse himself anyway whenever they talk about Michigan, you know, in the poll. So he's back in Ann Arbor working on this investigation that's going on. I think many of us, at least a week ago, would have been surprised if the Big Ten took any action against Michigan because, like you say, you got Michigan in the top four. You got Ohio State. Are you going to do anything to, uh, let's say, cause any repercussions, losing money for Michigan going on and maybe being in the final four? There's all kinds of things, of you know, this, uh, making Michigan look really, really good. But as you pointed out, there's been a lot of pressure now on the Big Ten to get something done. Right, and now there's a, a, a report out there that a, a, a football staffer at one of Michigan's Big Ten opponents compiled a spreadsheet of the Wolverine signs that relate to him from other schools. Um, I think the Associated Press was reporting that. Um, and the reason that that person came forward was because he thought, Harbaugh was being unfairly blamed. It's just such a weird dynamic going on. So, like, one of your opponents that you want to just, like, beat into submission is actually saying, wait a minute, this isn't fair to Michigan. Here's what we have on Michigan. It just, it's so, like, beyond the realm of comprehension right now that where this where this has gone is, is I, like, so I guess these people think that Connor Stallions was just kind of a rogue guy doing his thing i don't i don't know and again if you have a spreadsheet of the wolverine signs that were relayed to you from other schools that's not illegal i think i keep saying this but the this thing has gotten so many different legs and going in so many different directions the only thing we should be concerned about is did someone from michigan go out and illegally and go out to other games and illegally record signs and the answer is yes and if that's the case, that they prove it, which it seems like they already have, is Harbaugh held responsible being the CEO of the program? Yeah. Is he – he can deny all he wants. But in this day and age where the NCAA has, in its rulings, held the head coach accountable, even if he claims he doesn't know, it's still his program. Now, there's also another report that came out today – that Harbaugh must be feeling some pressure because it is being reported he is now basically, let's say, getting ready to fight any action that they take against him, whether that be uh, getting an attorney, or he probably has one anyway, or let's say getting the troops together and doing what it is to try to salvage whatever they can salvage if, in fact, the Big Ten acts. Many people would be surprised if the Big Ten does something before the end of this season uh, in lieu of the fact that Michigan's undefeated. Uh, they have a chance to go to the Final Four. They would be really shocked if the, the league takes any action to really hurt themselves like this. Yeah, someone in the app said, watch the punishment come down to Michigan if they lose to Penn State or Ohio State. That would just be a double doozy, right? Here they are undefeated. Oops, you lose on a Saturday. Oops, on Sunday. So Here would you comes rather, the reprimand. So would you rather see them lose and have something hit them or keep winning and see if the Big Ten does anything? Uh, I just want to see them get hit. I don't care whether they you win or lose. You don't care win or lose? No.
Uh, I want to see him get hit. Don't you? No. I want to see Michigan lose. And, again, I'm only doing that because it could open up the door better for Alabama, let's say. Well, make make it at least – you know, obviously what Alabama does, they have to run the table anyway, so that's neither here nor there. And I, and I think that no matter what, an SEC, SEC team will get into the Final Four. But if Michigan loses, then I, as a, you know, we, we don't have to worry about the Big Ten getting two teams in. All right, uh, you guys can chime in when we come back. Here's what we got going on. At 6.30, we're going to talk to T-Bob Hebert. Um I think, I believe, T-Bob was one of the few LSU People, people that cover LSU that said the hit on Jaden Daniels was not dirty or not targeting. I'll have to go back and see exactly what he said. I think you're right. He, so that, that's exactly right. He's going to come back. Uh, now, Brian Kelly's sending that 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 uh, that footage to the league for review. And the whole, like everybody who's anybody has commented on whether or not that was targeting a lot or not. Lane Kiffin got in on it. He was shocked. It wasn't targeting. Uh, Nick Saban's commented on it. Everybody's commented on it. How come nobody's commenting on that Texas A&M player that undercut the Ole Miss player and is not getting suspended? Uh, I think because the uh, Ole Miss guy came out on Twitter right after that and said he's good. He's just going to ice and he'll be okay. Uh, But there's no suspension for him. Oh, so anybody can go out and do that. Just hit him in the ground. He got got ejected. What more do they want him to do? Well, why doesn't he get uh, sit out a game? Hmm. I mean, uh, that, that could have damaged this guy's livelihood or his future. His what future. A, uh, his future. I'm not talking about his livelihood. football. I meant as far as you know, the, you know, having kids. All right, Travis Ryer as well, Jerry Palm, Darnell Archie, the coach of the University of Mobile Rams at eight o'clock. So we got plenty going on. Just getting started. Let's do it. My name is Sherman Williams, former running back for the University of Alabama and the Dallas Cowboys. And I wake up each morning listening to WNSP 105.5. Return. Good's turning to great. Darius Davis. He is gone. There are no flags on the field, and those are the first points on this Monday night. 623, welcome back in. The opening kickoff, we're just getting started, man. We got a lot to get to today. Yeah, we got a lot of baseball, too, and I'll sum it up very quickly. That, by the way, was the uh, punt return, really the most exciting play of the game. Chargers got their first score on a punt return, 87 yards. Mark, uh, we had a lot of managerial changes yesterday. The Cubs fired Auburn alum David Ross, replaced him with former Brewer skipper Craig Council. Mets go cross town and hire Yankee bench coach Carlos Mendoza. And the Guardians named former major leaguer Stephen Vogt to replace Terry Francona. There's also a story out of Japan. You remember Ichiro, Seattle, yes, going to yes. be in the Hall of Fame eventually? Well, he was holding some baseball drills. Uh, he's taking time to, to teach kids how to play baseball. Apparently, he was at, at the bat. He took about 63 swings. And one of those swings, he had a ball that was supposedly over 400 feet. It smashed through a window into a school, into the classroom of a math instructor's classroom. While class was going on, ball just went right through the window, interrupted class. Okay. <laughs> and 
Cilantro was never known as being a home run hitter. So what know. was he doing? He was he was teaching? He was just a ways away teaching kids baseball, teaching fundamentals, things so like, like that. So like in some PE class? I don't know if it was connected to the school or not. I'm assuming it may have been. I'm just wondering why are some kids in class learning math and others are out on the baseball diamond with Ichiro watching him hit 400-yard, yeah, 400-feet bombs. I didn't delve into it deeply like that, but he was holding drills, and, and maybe it had something to do with the school, and he's making the rounds now. He's a hero in Japan, but he was never known as a, a long ball hitter, although he could, if he wanted to, have been a home run hitter. But it just, you know, you're, you're, you're teaching class, and all of a sudden this ball comes through the window into your class. So I just thought I'd toss that in there. By the way, uh, you mentioned Jets, Chargers. Uh, how, how terrible was that? Now, good win for the Chargers, but even the Chargers weren't very good. No, they weren't. There were 13 sacks in the game. Five on Herbert, not to be confused with Bear. Right, as you like to do. Yeah. But that, that Charger offense didn't have a lot going for it either, quite frankly. They were it was just bad football. You didn't you didn't see well you couldn't have you were at the Jag game. You no, I, I saw of some it. of the lowlights. There weren't a lot of highlights. I did turn on the Manning cast. Trevor Lawrence was on. How was Arnold? Arnold I missed was that. on. I did not know that. I missed that. We were watching a movie, which I'm not gonna re- recommend for you. But uh, what Ar- movie? <sighs> Listen to him. I'm curious. I'm a movie guy. It's a Hulu original. This is a the judgment, quiz. Judgment the quiz lady. The quiz lady. That one of the reasons I watched it was because Will Ferrell played a Alex Trebek type of master of ceremonies. Okay. And it dragged on. It it was it started good, and and, and actually the, they had some really well known actors and actresses in it. And there were some good parts in it, but it's not like I would come out here and say, you got to go watch it. It was hey, about uh, this young lady who would sit at home, and every time questions were asked, she could rattle off all the answers. And her sister eventually got her onto the show. A game show obsessed woman and her estranged sister worked together to help their uh, help cover their mother's gambling debts. So because of that, I missed Schwarzenegger. Yeah, uh, Sandra O oh is in it, so she's pretty good. Will Ferrell is indeed in it. Paul Rubens. Yes, at the end of the show, he was <laughs> in it. <laughs> you know what my wife said? I don't. Now, he passed on, so maybe I'm not going to say anything about it. Uh, okay. Him. All right, he, he's, he passed on recently, so I'm, I'm going to just leave it at that. Tightly wound, game show-obsessed Annie must team up with her chaotic sister, Ginny, to help pay off their mother's gambling debts. When Anne's beloved dog is kidnapped, they set off on a cross-country journey to get the money they need. To do so, they must tap into Annie's yeah, skill set by turning her into the game show champion she was always so meant to So what gambling? Let's, let's say you owe debt to somebody. What an inspirational, yeah. I always thought it was, you know, at least the movies depicted this or TV shows that the, the, you, you owed money to a, a gambling syndicate. They would send a hitman. A syndicate. They'd send somebody to whack you something. <laughs> Whoever heard of kidnapping a dog well you got to protect the ones you love in, in crisis like that and they'd, they'd send somebody and wrap you on the hand break a few fingers or something wrap you on the hand there That's you right. go i mean this ain't jersey it's not how we do things around here you know i'm not even sure where this was set the the setting what what city what town i'm not even sure i watched it because i wanted to see will ferrell i've always thought he does well when he impersonates uh, a, a quiz master a quiz master. Okay. 
All right, well, that's what that's what Lee did last night. Yeah, and I don't recommend it. Bronner, you watched, what'd you watch? You watched a little Alabama hoops? Yeah, I watched the Alabama game. Grant Nelson's a superstar. Where'd you see it? Uh, on ESPN+. Plus. Okay, I was wondering, because I tried to find it, but I couldn't. I'd, re- I'd highly recommend ESPN+, Plus if you're any kind of a fan of college basketball. It's worth it. There's pretty much every game on there. But yeah, Grant Nelson, superstar. He's fun. This team's fun, man. There's like 12 good players on it. They're, they're going to be good, but let's not go overboard on beating Moorhead State. I mean, I'm not they declaring, lost I'm not declaring them national champions, but, yeah, they could have lost to Moorhead State. They yeah. won by 30, covered yeah. the spread, yeah. and uh, they have, like, 10 new guys, all of whom uh, it was encouraging. Now, quickly, did you put money on this? I'm just saying they covered the spread. Oh, you got a disease, kid. Uh, T-Bob Bears next. Stay with us. technical coaching point you know you always tell players you want them to see what they hit uh, you know hit the guy here and then hit him sort of in the chin so it wasn't like a direct hit or an intentional hit to the head uh. 632 that's the voice of Alabama, Alabama coach Nick Saban talking about what quite frankly everybody in uh, the college football world at least in the southeast is talking about and that of course is Dallas Turner's hit on LSU uh, quarterback Jaden Daniels. Well, if everybody was talking about it, then our next guest is obviously uh, talking about it to T. Bob A. Bear, radio talk show host in uh, Baton Rouge. Who, by the way, and, and T. Bob, first of all, are you feeling a lot better? I know you're just getting over kind of an illness. Ooh, are things? Are you are you back it, to normal yet? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling. I am. I actually am. Sunday. Before Nutcracker rehearsal, not to brag, I'm obviously trying to get it out there that I'm going to be in the Baton Rouge production of Nutcracker. It's a dream come true for me. Uh, but before Nutcracker rehearsal, something shifted. And for the first time in about two and a half weeks, I wasn't in just, I, I'm, I'm feeling a little better here. We're not 100%. I've been battling shingles, which sounds dumb, right? Like I should be like really old. And it made me feel really old. So basically just been hunched over in 24-7 pain for two and a half weeks. It is freaking crazy, y'all. If you can get the shingles vaccine, if you're old enough, I cannot recommend enough. This thing has thrown me for a massive loop, but we're staying positive. You know, like I said, I'm feeling better. Road to recovery continues right along. Well, I know you're back talking anyway, and I and I apologize for trying to get in touch with you, not knowing that members of my family have had shingles. And believe me, what you said they double that. It it's not. It's so awful, crazy, dude. I thought I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. That it just kept getting worse and worse. But, but look, we we don't have we don't. Thank you, Lee. It's very it is very appreciated. We can we can get into you know what people actually care about. Right, and that would be Alabama and LSU. And then I believe, as I was looking uh, googling you yesterday, that you had to come out with an apology on that game. Hell no. I'm going to talk my crap every <laughs> single year to Alabama. Yeah, I'm like that stupid, goofy meme. Like, I'll do it again. I don't care. Now, like, like look, if, if you really listened to all of the hits that I was doing, in which the closer we get to this game, I just more and more start to channel all of my, like, wrestling love that I had as a child. And I'm just out here cutting promos. Uh, but if you listen, kind of hidden within everyone was a line about, like, you know, now, 
sober analysis dictates that LSU's defense is just too weak and that Alabama would have the advantage, but like, screw it, I don't care, you know, Jaden Daniels, rawr, but no, man, we said it going into the game, this is going to be a game um, which is going to put the old cliche to the test. Are you as strong, you know, are you really only as strong as your weakest link? Because LSU clearly had the stronger strong link, and they clearly had the weaker weak link, and well... It turns out in the sport of football, the ultimate team game, that this homespun wisdom remain, uh, you know, reigns supreme as clearly the weakness of the LSU defense was the difference of the game. And now, if you're an LSU fan, uh, this Alabama game has nothing else brought clarity that's gotten you a bit out of the purgatory that you've been existing in where you've kind of been teasing yourself with, is this team championship good? Because the offense is. And so when you have one of the three phases that is, you can start to believe that maybe you're a bit better than you are, even though you're not that complete. And look, LSU has now played playoff caliber teams twice this season in Florida State and um, Alabama, right? And, and even I, I don't have Ole Miss's playoff caliber. Very good team, but not playoff caliber. They played playoff caliber teams twice, and the exact same thing happened, y'all. Like, like go look at the rhythm of the FSU game and of the Alabama game, and it is startling in its similarity where the offense was keeping you in it early, even giving you some exciting leads at times, but in the end, the margin of error was just non-existent. Um, uh, a turnover, like in Florida State, it was Malik Davis slipping on a route that led to a pick that was just insurmountable, and in this game, it's a great defensive play where a ball gets batted up, leads to a pick, and there's just no margin of error when this defense can't stop anyone. They hit by Dallas Turner. Your take on that. I've been, I feel like Alabama fans are almost like farming me for, uh, for, for, hmm, how do I, like, hmm, I, 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 okay, I feel as if I am somehow like betraying the LSU fan base here. Uh, and, and, you know, this all comes with the caveat and the preface of me. I am, um, I was a very dirty football player. Uh, I loved hitting after the whistle, I loved cheap shots. Love hitting guys behind the play. I loved trying to be dirty enough to where somebody would get mad and get a personal foul against you. Like, that's all my favorite stuff. Um, I don't think it was a particularly dirty hit. If you want to have a, um, if you want to have a, like a, a, a debate about is it target or not, you know, there's enough gray area there where there's a nuanced conversation to be had. Uh, but in terms of like Dallas Turner, what he did was wrong. Like, I just don't agree with that. He didn't go for the knees. Um, he leveled his face up, but more importantly, like he just hit the hell out of him, dude. And, and, and I've said this plenty on a bunch of Alabama shows, which is why, again, I feel like being farmed as a mouthpiece here, but it is what I believe is that I don't know any great football player that has ever lined up. And when they have a chance to really hit somebody, been like, you know, I better hit this guy not as hard as I can. Like at the end of the day, it's still football. And the point is, is to still inflict pain and violence on your opponent. I mean, and it, w w one of the whole uh, spiels that I had when I was doing some, you know, just Friday, get pumped up for the game on Saturday. One of those spiels that I have is like, look, this is a violent game, and it's the one bastion of life where violence is celebrated. You are, it's the every other facet of life. You have to run away. You have to turn your back. You have to turn the other You cannot be violent. This is the one place where not only you're allowed to, but again, you will be honored, you'll be celebrated to. And so, yeah, I wish Harold Perkins had caught Jalen Milrow 
under the chin like that and driven him into the ground. That would have made me very happy because that's football. He's T-Bob Hebert. You can follow him on Twitter or X or whatever we're doing, at T-Bob53. So I, I jokingly, when that play happened, said there's no way they're sitting him unless he's, like, bleeding from the ears. Like, they're going to bring that dude back. And sure enough, they brought him back for one play. I know Brian Kelly kind of sidestepped the question when they asked him how – because now the question becomes – how how is a guy that's concussed or in the protocol for concussion, T-Bob, coming back after one play? Well, I mean, it's like you said, Brian Kelly, who who normally is like, you know, if if I'll say this, I think Brian Kelly is actually pretty good about being honest with his answers in press conferences, right? Like he has the security that comes with a 10-year deal where he can kind of do whatever he wants. Um he just said simply that, look, the medical team said he was going to go, and the medical team reevaluated. You know, yeah. and uh, in this world of takes in which we live, no take stone is ever going to be left unturned, and somebody will write the article. And and I've had the field of this question a couple of times now um, with people trying to drum up some like, "Rawr, was LSU wrong?" But this is what like this is what I always laugh about, and this goes back to even like cancel culture, any of this stuff in our modern day society where. People get very upset with things like cancel culture because they want consistency, right? But they're ignoring uh, the core fundamental idea that it's all just a social democracy. There are no consistent rules. It's just whether or not the general public gets angry enough about something for it to matter. And I just don't see this catching on in the slightest. So, like, I don't think it's a big deal. T-Bob, uh, by the way, a radio personality on 104 ESPN Radio in Baton Rouge. So as far – I'm going to have a hypothetical question, and I raised this question yesterday, and obviously we'll never know the answer. If Daniels had not been, well, let's say, sent to the sidelines, do you think LSU could have made a comeback in that game? I think they were down, what, one or at least one score, maybe two scores at that time? I mean, you know, I, I, I think there's potential maybe for it to end in like, a, you know, a shootout or LSU would have had a better chance to be didn't get knocked out, right? But the, the game flow was still as such where it felt as if LSU was kind of hanging on. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, a play that LSU perspective has really latched on to in terms of like, oh, what a costly play was a second and 17 drop that would have set up third and five. Yeah. When that is what you're highlighting, to me, what that's actually saying is just how non-existent the margin of error was for the offense, right? So, like, so like I, I, it's just maybe, yeah, maybe LSU uh, like plays perfect offensively and finds a way to make the game exciting. But Alabama clearly was the more complete and better team. Like, like I said, like, I'm, I'm, we're not going to make any – we're not going to pull any punches here. Like twice, LSU's run into playoff caliber teams and went the exact same way um, both times. And so, and look, they're going to be wrong. That offense is awesome. Think about it. To go down and score against that defense, make it 21 21 before half, is insane. To come out in the second half, make it 28-21 like you did, is pretty insane as well. But you know what else is insane? The LSU coaching staff coming up with a game plan that would have been more fit to guard Peyton Manning rather than Jalen Milrow. Like hearing Brian Kelly say that, oh, yeah, we probably should have spied Milrow at the press conference yesterday felt like coaching (laughs) malpractice. Hey, I got to ask you, man, because as you know, I'm, I'm from New Orleans, right? So I got some friends on both sides of this. 
And it's always entertaining uh, because after the game, you know, my feed's always LSU fans talking about, yeah, the SEC offices in Birmingham, they're not going to let Alabama win and all this officiating stuff. And it's always about the officials, right? But before the game, Alabama fans were just going absolutely like apeshit over this whole Daniel Gotro thing being the head referee. Gotro. Yeah. I, I, um, did you get any of that? Did you see any of that kind of stuff going on? Yeah, at the bar. Um, and, you know, look, let, let's be clear. Complaining about officials is every SEC fan base that loses a big game ever. Like, I mean, it, 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 it's every single one. It's the same thing as when you have some fan bases be like, this fan base is so trash and they're so, like, rude and uncouth. Like, it's everybody. Whatever. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, no, at the bar, we were actually, because I, I, well, I had to watch it at this cigar bar we do our post-game show from, and uh, we were all dying laughing, and every time LSU had a call go their way, the entire bar was training Gotro. Yeah. And then it shifted to everybody yelling at, Gotro, come on, what are we doing <laughs> yeah. here? Even though Gotro's from Lafayette, you got to understand a lot of Lafayette people hate LSU. Yeah. So now the, so now the, uh, so now the joke is that he must be a UL fan. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, T. Bob, I know you're getting ready for your show. I really appreciate you taking time to uh, join us. Hope you recover totally, totally, and uh, we'll be in touch with you down the road. Okay. Hell yeah, Lee, Mark. Thank y'all so much, man. Y'all have a great day. Get ready, because I'm going to talk that crap again next year, boys. Looking Tell forward to it. Whoop that tight ass. Uh, we won't wait that long to get in touch with you. Thanks, uh, T. Bob. Right. Be good. Three. All right, Mark and I, uh, next uh, week, next Monday, we'll be at Bob Howard's Victory Grill. But uh, tonight, it's uh, they, every day they got something going on, whether it's happy hour, whether it's ladies' night Thursday. But today, it's Kids Eat Free, accompanied by an adult. There's some football games, I think three Mac football games. You get all those 75 screens out there and go out there and watch all your sporting events and enjoy the uh, meals, especially the inflation meals where they've uh, cut prices down. That's at Bob Howard's Victory Grill. By the way, uh, because I know Christmas music has already started on your uh, some of your local uh, radio shows or radio stations, did you see where Baskin-Robbins uh, is trying to keep everybody in the spirit of Thanksgiving? Would you guys try a turkey dinner-flavored ice cream? Absolutely not. You wouldn't even try it if I brought no, some in? No, it doesn't You wouldn't even, have a bite appealing. of it? No, it doesn't sound yeah, appealing please. to me at all. you got to at least try it. Like, have really? a bite. I rarely eat ice cream these days, but that's not one that I think I would gravitate the to. The name of the flavor is Turkey Day Fixins. <laughs> They're like cranberry sauce, like frozen pieces in there Yeah, it's kind of like this uh, honey... It's got a little honey cornbread feel to us in a spiced sweet potato and an ocean spray cranberry all wrapped into one. So in other words, it's you a could, fireworks of So you could have this Thanksgiving and not have to go out and buy all that other stuff, huh? Just uh, feast on ice cream. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of all in on this. You you you're going to give it a shot? You got to eat it fast before it melts. Yeah. Yeah, but then it's just food when it melts. That's right. All right. Uh, we're going to come back. We'll catch up with David Green. You guys can comment in the app at WNSP.com. Travis Ryer on Alabama at 7 o'clock. Darnell Archie, the University of Mobile basketball coach, set to join us at 8 o'clock. We talked a lot about it in hour number one. The Rams with the huge upset over South Alabama in basketball last night. Uh, we will get back to that as well.
All right, wrapping up hour number one, a busy uh, Tuesday edition. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. former Major League Baseball player Bernie Carbo. I listen to WNSP 105.5. Love every minute of it. continues here on WNSP. We welcome in David Green from the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. Good morning, David. How are you this morning? Good morning. It's a beautiful morning. You out walking? <laughs> Watering the ferns. <laughs> <laughs> no, because usually you do your exercise before you come on with this, so I just wanted to see if I uh, either walking or on the treadmill or whatever. Look, your yep. law firm, they handle a lot of wrecks, crashes, automobile how involved are you with truck accidents, crashes, and are they different than your basic auto accident? Well, you know, as a matter of fact, we, we are. We handle a lot of uh, large truck accidents. Uh, think of one right now that we just recently got a very, very severe accident that happened in Louisiana uh, involving a, a gentleman on a motorcycle and a large truck. Um, our client, thankfully, is is. Um, is alive, but he is very, very severely injured. So we handle that type of case. We're fortunate to have colleagues in other states that get us involved in cases, as well as here in the Mobile area, uh, throughout the state of Alabama, throughout the Southeast, and actually throughout the country. We've been, we've been involved in a number of cases around the country. But they're very different in that you need to get a local law firm uh, involved to help work the case with you. Uh, you also need to make sure that you have the right experts that can get involved, to get on the ground, that can get there and investigate the scene. We have a number of experts that we bring in and just lock, we call locking it down, lock the scene down uh, just to, to understand exactly what happened so we can prove our cases. But uh, they're very different. Uh, there's, there's lots of rules and regulations, federal rules that apply uh, to the drivers. Uh, there are some really good operators out there. I don't want to get calls from operators I have before <laughs> that say we do it right. And there's some very good operators out there that there are some that do not do it right. And sometimes when that happens, you have very, very severe injuries that result in our clients. This is kind of a, maybe an off-the-wall question, but in, in going over the information that you supplied me, have you ever handled a train wreck? You know, um, Lee, I think years ago uh, we were involved in a, in a train crash uh, case, and I want to say that was up uh, in, in middle, the middle part of Alabama where a couple of young men were tragically killed, uh, and I believe it had something to do with uh, perhaps some foliage that had over, some overgrowth over the train track area so they couldn't see. Uh, no one saw each other. Boom. Unfortunately, this is many, many years ago, maybe over 20 years ago, but we have been involved in those. And, gosh, those can be so, so bad. As you have pointed out on this show, not only do you have an office here, but you have one in Birmingham. And, and actually, you do go outside the state. Uh, you mentioned Louisiana, uh, and you and I have talked before. You, you've handled cases in Georgia and so forth. Well, that's exactly right. We're, we're affiliated with firms uh, in, in those areas that, uh, 
and kind of do a lot of the groundwork, and we bring our guys in and girls in and uh, put the cases together and work with them. But, uh, you know, we're happy to take care of the folks here in the Mobile area, Birmingham area, and throughout the state of Alabama. But if there's something that happens outside of the state, um, you know, if you want to reach out to us, you certainly certainly can. And, uh, you know, we can get you get you pointed in the right direction. But just very important to find a firm that handles this type of case, that understands what to do initially. It's very important to go ahead and lock the case down, prove your case up, and then proceed with the, the proper filings and to move forward on getting the case resolved uh, for the best interest of our clients. Always great to have you on, David. We appreciate the time as always, and uh, have a great week. All right, guys. God bless. Take care. He used that phrase, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the best when it comes to movie quotes, when he said, lock I'm it up. Best. Lock it up. Wasn't Wedding crashers. That? Yes, that's what Wedding I was falling. thinking. Too. You lock it up. Lock it up. When he said that, that's what I thought about. Erroneous. Erroneous. That's what came to my mind. So, Oh, shut up. I'm a phenomenal dancer. Um, guys, I know there's some talk in the app. Listen, you as a Division One program, someone in the app said, I was at the game. Don't consider Mobile win over USA a huge upset. Um, it, Seri- it can't, seriously? It can't happen. It. I, I don't care who we're talking about. I don't care if we're talking South and Mobile. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't insert any team. A Division One team can't lose to an NAIA team. Do, they does can't he do it. does he not understand why they schedule these games? Yeah. Years um, ago, Mark, I went. Years ago, I traveled with Spring Hill down to New Orleans to yep. take on UNO, mm-hmm. and Spring Hill came within uh, single digits of winning that game. I think Carl Nash was coaching Spring Hill. And as we were leaving, I said, well, I guess we won't be on their schedule anymore. Right. And that's what it's about. You schedule these games for a win. You pay the money for when these are instant wins. Yeah. Uh, and generally what you do is you do it as a favor to those teams that you bring in. Now, don't don't let them fool you. Darnell came in with the intent on winning. He wasn't just happy with going in there and, and playing South Alabama. He's got a very tall, he's got a very long athletic team, uh, and they took it to South Alabama. In the paint, uh, they shot lights out. Uh, South Alabama, I I said earlier, couldn't throw it in the water if they were standing on a boat. Um, And and Mobile's offense, and we'll talk about this at 8 o'clock, is in constant motion, all five guys. Uh, At South, there's a lot of standing around. South was down by as many as 25. I mean, it was it was like we. I looked up at the scoreboard at halftime. I was like, I I, I don't believe what I'm seeing. To the person who you're re- referencing, uh, the quote by Craig Stevenson, AL.com, was, "It's the worst loss I've ever had, Richie Riley." Yes. So I think that tells volumes. Plus, now look, this is this is not to be used as an excuse. But Mobile came in having already played four games, including some pretty big wins. But still, you schedule these games for automatic wins, okay? You spend the money. It's an automatic win. Don't come out here and say this is not an upset. Yeah. No, it's uh, – now, uh, Mobile was clearly the better team on the floor. Uh, Now, what what made things interesting in the second half is – South started pressing a little bit, and they ate away a little bit at that. But they didn't have the bench, the depth. The, they couldn't have done that all game is what I'm saying. And quite frankly, their press wasn't great. I mean, they, they simply did a what I, what I would call a double down. 
Um, they rarely took the one pass away. The back end, it just, it, it just mobile. Every time they deuced the ball in the ball screen, the 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 roller um, released. I mean, they 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 scored on curls and got to the rim. They were Darnell did a really really good job of preparing his guys. Um, and they were just coming off a road trip down to Lake Worth, Florida, where they had played games, what, on uh, Friday, Saturday? Yeah. So they were just getting back to town Sunday, and and I, I'm assuming because you were there, they had a lot more energy than maybe South Alabama did. Yeah. Uh, we're going to come back, talk some Alabama with Travis Ryer, Jerry Palm at 730 on the State of College Football. Darnell Archie will join us at 8 o'clock. Uh, and we got plenty going on here. Here comes hour number two. It's the opening kickoff. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Here we are, 705 of busy hour number one but uh thanks for making us part of your morning it is the opening kickoff we're all in the studios of wnsp all right we had nfl football last night chargers beat the jets uh, both teams now four and four we had the opening of college basketball and how south alabama suffered the first loss ever to the university of mobile and naia school for the life of me i can't remember maybe some of you people out there can help me out uh, the last time if at all when the Jags ever lost to an NAIA school, I couldn't find anything on that this morning. Uh, LSU ranked number one in women's basketball. They got beat by Colorado in their uh, opening game. And then the Alabama Crimson Tide, well, they just coasted to a win over Moorhead State. And to that, we bring in Bam Online on three, Travis Ryer. Travis, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? Before we get to football, and we'll certainly be talking a lot about football with the uh, game coming up against Kentucky, uh, your thoughts on Alabama's opening win over Moorhead State? Yeah, impressive performance with all the new faces. That Once again, with turnover being what it is in college basketball these days, Grant Nelson coming in as a transfer, Aaron Estrada coming in as a transfer, and both of those guys getting off to great starts in Alabama's season opener. And Nate obviously able to play a lot of guys when you got a margin of victory like that. But, again, the, the scoring potential for this team looks to be pretty high. Um, and you like the versatility, too, that he has within his lineup. You know, Jaron Stevenson, he's got guys like Nelson that you can play at some different spots. Um, Estrada can play on and off the ball. Having Mark Sears available, obviously a good thing after he had missed the scrimmage against TCU and the exhibition game against Wake Forest. So a dynamic team offensively. I think there's still some questions that you're not going to have answered until you get more into non-conference play and certainly approaching SEC play. But uh, the post and the sturdiness there uh, and how you're able to kind of weather some things without Charles Bediaco, I think that's one of the things you'll be interested in. Travis, has Alabama's win over LSU changed your viewpoint of this Alabama team going forward? 
SEC title game and beyond. And, of course, with Jalen Milrow having the game that he did, do you have a new perspective of this team now? I think that it's been sort of evolving on offense, and you saw it even in the second half against Tennessee before the bye week, but you still wanted to see if Alabama could sustain that, especially against an LSU defense missing some key pieces, and really even with those pieces uh, prior hadn't been very good. So uh, if Alabama was truly taking the next step or two on the offensive side of the ball, it should have shown up against LSU, and it did. So I think that's very encouraging. I think it's encouraging that when you look at the remainder of the schedule, really maybe even into a college football playoff scenario, you're not going to see this sort of um, you know, athlete and, and passer and runner to the extent that Jaden Daniels is able to bring to the LSU offense. I mean, when you think about Devin Leary this week, he's not that kind of guy. Uh, Peyton Thorne down the road isn't that kind of guy. So I think there's some relief in that because there really wasn't an answer for Jaden Daniels prior to him going out of the game Saturday night. With that said, we 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 talked about it was going to come down to is LSU's offense as good as it is? Is Alabama Alabama's defense is probably one of the better ones they've seen since Florida State. Could they get enough stops, or could LSU's defense, which is just horrible, make uh, make the stops? That third down conversion rate, they ought to put that on a plaque and hang it on a wall. That was just insane. That ought to be legal in football to have a third down conversion rate like Alabama had over the weekend. Yeah, that was something else, uh, 11 for 14. And, uh, and then conversely, you know, Alabama did get enough stops. Yeah. A turnover there uh, in the fourth quarter. And then also, uh, you know, when you combine third and fourth downs for LSU, I think the Tigers were 4 of 11. So you, you could certainly live with those ratios if you're Nick Saban. And, um, you know, just being able to take care of the football is something that, maybe is as big of an improvement as we've seen from Alabama as the season has moved on, but it just doesn't get talked about as much. It's not as sexy of a statistic as passing yards and explosive plays and things like that. But, again, Alabama's backs did what they needed to do, too, not just as runners as that second half wore on, especially Roy Dell Williams, but as receivers. I mean, you had big, explosive plays in the passing game from Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Williams as well. Excuse me, Jam Miller. We are talking with Travis Ryer from On3 and Bama Online. So all the criticism that was leveled at the offensive line, has that been alleviated at least for the time being, at least until the next game? Yeah, at least until Saturday at yeah. 11 a.m. I think that's <laughs> uh, kind of where we're at. But, no, it's it's been improved. There's no doubt about it. You know, kind of talk about how that has moved forward as you got into Tennessee and now through LSU and – uh, common denominator in all that seems to be the insertion of Jaden Roberts into the lineup at right guard. You know, they've added some more punch and physicality, and you know Jaden's a pretty athletic guy too, so he's held up well in pass protection. And um, this is sort of the approach that you expected to see from Alabama at this point in the season. I think folks were uh, thinking that you know, the run game and the offensive line play could carry this team to some great heights and. It took a little while maybe in getting to that point, but you know Kentucky's going to present more of a challenge this week than LSU did. I know coming out of my mouth that sounds crazy in most years, but I think it is true. And so uh, we'll see if they can sustain it going into uh, the Commonwealth. 
Where do you stand on the issue of this being one of Nick Saban's better coach teams? I think it would be up there because, to begin with, there was so much turnover, especially when you talk about statistical impact from one team to the next. You know, this looked like kind of a bridge year for Alabama. Uh, that's why last season was especially disappointing to a lot of folks. 11-win uh, season is kind of where we're at when we talk about disappointments. Under Nick Saban, that, that in and of itself, I think, speaks to, to what he's done at, at Alabama. But to go through that sort of turnover, knowing that you came up short a year ago, uh, and then, then to still be right where you want to be, for the most part right now, still some things that have to play out. But uh, with one loss, I don't, I, I'm not surprised Alabama has a loss. I think, you know, given the way that loss occurred, and not only that, what we saw the next week at South Florida, uh, it was easy to envision another loss or two by this point in the season. So I think to be, you know, eight and one, undefeated in SEC play and very much in control of their. Uh, conference destiny for sure is is a job well done not just by Nick but uh, by that staff as a whole so Travis it, it appeared early in the season Jalen Milrow was just taking off and running when he thought things broke down or maybe didn't see his first read or whatever and then I felt like after the benching he came back there was a conscious effort to keep him in the pocket and almost kind of teach him as they go over the weekend I got the sense that there were some some run pass options, he made the right choice. But I thought there was also uh, a conscious effort to kind of unleash that running beast there. Uh, did you get that same impression? And do you think that we'll see more of that moving forward? Yeah, I mean, it's championship season right now. You get to November with an opportunity to achieve all your goals. You, you got to unleash it. Uh, everything you've got in every area of your football team. And, you know, that's always been... Uh, the, the possibility for Jalen and, and the Alabama offense. And again, you know, 20 carries against LSU. Not all of those obviously were design runs or zone reads or those type of things. But, you know, even as a runner in the passing game, I thought he did a nice job of first stepping up into the pocket. Earlier in the season, you would see him try to go out the side door a little bit or drift more so probably to his left than anything else. But what we saw Saturday night was a guy who sometimes maybe a little bit before he even had to got up in the pocket, but when he did, he still maintained passer status. It wasn't just tuck it and run. He did that a couple of times, but on his touchdown run uh, there in the third quarter, after he had missed Isaiah Bond pretty much wide open on an extended play, yeah. Um, he, yeah. he maintained that threat of throwing the football, and that helped create some space for him. He did that a couple of times. So, even when he didn't hit throws like the one to Bond, there were encouraging aspects to the play that made you think, yeah, this guy's coming along like they need him to. Hey, Travis, never a dull moment. Uh, should Alabama fans be concerned about the kicking game, or uh, or is that just a blip? Yeah, I'm going to say that's a blip. You know, a guy makes 28 in a row like Will Reichard had, and uh, then he misses a couple. You're just not used to that. That was very surprising from Will. Uh, but fortunately for Alabama, it, it wasn't impactful. Did have an opportunity to make it a three-score game there in the fourth quarter, and he missed the second one. But um, I, I think Will will be okay. All right. Uh, you, I might, we might as well throw you into our unofficial uh, poll question of the week or of the, of the season. Dallas Turner hit targeting or no targeting? What say you, Travis Ryer? I don't know. I, I really <laughs> don't. You know, when it comes to that rule and the subjectivity of it, I think – 
I think the initial contact didn't constitute targeting. Now, if you're talking about as you go through the completion of the play and the and the momentum takes him up into the chin and, and the neck and head area, okay, I guess. But, you know, I kind of quit trying to figure it out after Alabama's loss at Tennessee last year when I saw Bryce Young take clear helmet-to-helmet contact after a throw in the pocket and – you know, it wasn't targeting. So from that perspective, I would say the SEC in those two instances was consistent. But neither one of those were called targeting. Always great to have you, Travis. Tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage as the Tide prepares for Kentucky. Just go to BamaOnline.com. You can also catch us on our new YouTube channel for BamaOnline.com. We've got daily video content dropping there on YouTube as well. But First and foremost, come hang out with us on the roundtable, our premium message board there at BamaOnline.com. That's where you're going to find out everything first as it relates to the Crimson Tide. Thanks, Travis, as always, man. Enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. Yep, Travis Ryer, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of the Tide and Kentucky, this weekend the WNSP watch party is set. That's right, the outsider, 11A kickoff for Alabama and Kentucky, but we're at the Outsider T-shirt giveaways. Your chance to win an official Alabama jersey. Compliments of the vault. Uh, Outsider has everything you need, man. They got 22 TVs, beer, food specials, plus your chance to win Iron Bowl tickets. They're going to draw the name, the winner, between the games. You have to be present to win, so you're going to have to hang out. It's totally going to be worth it, though, uh, for everything that's going on over there at the Outsider. So go cheer on Alabama with us, WNSP, this Saturday at the Outsider, right there at the corner of Cedar and Dolphin Street. Don't want to miss it. It's the WNSP Alabama Watch Party. When we come back, scoreboard, traffic, weather. Michael Holland will join us. Jerry Palm at 730. we got to get somebody qualified for the Alec Naiman catering party with another round of naming it. Darnell Archie. The coach of the University of Mobile or Basketball Rams upset South Alabama last night in historic fashion. He'll join us at 8 o'clock. Continue your comments in the app. We're rolling along on a busy Tuesday. It's the opening kickoff. Hey, this is Amari Cooper. You're listening to Sports Radio WNFP. here on a busy Tuesday. Thanks for hanging with us. It's the opening kickoff. Mark, the uh, musical uh, intro uh, suggested by Michael Holland, who's on the line with us right now, the market president for Bryant Bank. Sponsor, the high school player of the week. We announced Ronnie Royal of Gulf Shores is that player of the week. Michael, welcome to the show. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Lee. Good morning, Mark. You know, a couple of weeks ago, you suggested ways to clean out your wallet. Well, obviously, mine's stuffed again. So what do I need to take out of my wallet to make it easier to get into my pocket? Lee, I know you're an old school guy. So if you have your Social Security card or number in your wallet, take it out this morning. Uh, That is absolutely the worst thing that you can have in your wallet. Next, uh, most the average worker... Uh, has five to seven passwords that they use to log on to computers, whether at home or at work. Um, So if your password cheat sheet is in your wallet, if it's not there, it's underneath your mouse pad or it's underneath your keyboard at work, right? (laughs) Uh, But if it's in your wallet, you need to remove it. Um, If you have a spare house key in your wallet, 
take it out because with that house key and if they steal your wallet, it has your driver's license and home of residence. A bad guy can uh, has all he needs to break into your home. Uh, I'm not sure if folks still use blank checks anymore, um, but perhaps uh, your grandfather may have a blank check in his wallet. That's not a good thing. Uh, for obvious risks, uh, once you have that blank check, you have everything you need to recreate that or use it um, in a bad way. So those are some things that if you're looking to clean out your wallet, take those things out. And then once you have it out, take a picture of what remains because if you do lose your wallet or it's stolen and you file the police report, you need to be able to tell uh, the police exactly what was in it, and then by having pictures of it, you'll know exactly uh, what was there and can report that accurately. So if you've got questions about what we've talked about today or any banking topic, uh, give us a call at Bryant Bank, 264-6575. We have offices in Mobile, Daphne, Foley, and Orange Beach. Michael, many, many thanks. Hope we'll be hearing you Friday during the uh high school football game of the week, maybe covering a uh, playoff game. Hopefully we'll get to that point. It's playoff season. It's going to be fun. You better believe it. Thanks for the tip. I'm going to look into my wallet. Now, I don't have checks. I can guarantee you that because yeah. nobody can read my writing anyway, so it wouldn't be worth much. But you take care, Michael. What a world we live in that, you know, they've designed something to put in your pocket to put all your important things in, and now we can't put anything Nothing. important in, 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 in that, that said thing. Lee, it, is your Social Security card in your wallet? Absolutely not. Uh, Very little in for, my wallet. Mine was for a while. And truth of the matter is, if it were in there now, I wouldn't even know it. So what are we talking about here? I was in my car for a while. I was told that was uh, a very <laughs> bad place to have it. Really? Yeah. Well, anybody ever document box. Did anybody ever keep a key in their wallet? Um, I, <clears throat> I think my kids do? did when they were younger, simply because they didn't have keys, so there was no point in getting a keychain per se. Isn't it easier just somewhere around the house, like underneath something, just to keep a spare key? No, you I mean it better? is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if safer, I'm trying to get safer, your house, safe, safer. I don't know if it's safer. The first thing I'm doing is looking under your mat if I'm trying to get in your house. Oh, I'm talking about. A, All I'll find uh, is Chick Fil A gift cards. No, I'm talking about something a little more difficult to find a key than under the mat. That's too easy. Flower pot. There you go. Now we're talking. <laughs> and a beehive. Yeah. Put it in a beehive. <laughs> what is uh, Mark? What's this comment in the app about? Any truth to Auburn considering an ACC move? That's the first I've heard of that. <laughs> what? I have not heard such thing. Um, but I'll do a little search in here at we'll, the break. Uh, we'll, we'll look into that one, all right? Jerry Palm set to join us next. Uh, Darnell Archie, the University of Mobile Rams coach at 8 o'clock. A lot to get to. Stay with us. Welcome back in. The uh, opening kickoff continues. Uh, quickly, for those talking about this whole Auburn thing, it, it looks like it was an Auburn piece, an opinion done on Fansided, where the writer suggests that Auburn should leave and relegate itself from the SEC and move to the ACC 
because with the new world order of the SEC being Oklahoma and Texas and some others, they would just be, and I quote, mid. And if they went to the ACC, uh, they would be one of the more dominant uh, programs, oh, which okay. is ludicrous. Who would make up the 30 to $40 million they, that they would lose? Bring back the green wave. Who would make up that kind of money to come out with a statement like that? The difference in the payout to the SEC. But they'd be in the college football. I don't know. Why are we Where were they? Yeah, exactly. Hey, Michael, did you, uh, you you found the cars? I, yeah. I, I just played it. I know. I'm saying, what'd you think? Okay? That's right. okay. All right. Because Mar- he had never heard of the cars before. Wasn't bad. All right. Heard of Jerry Palm? I've heard of him. He's on right now. Got Jerry Palm from CBS Sports. Jerry, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? All right. How are you? We're going to see much of a change in the college football poll tonight? Um, it's possible. Uh, I, don't, I think, you know, for Alabama, they're just going up a spot uh, because, you know, to fill in after Oklahoma drops out. Um, but, you know, at the top of the five undefeated teams, you, know, you could see a little shuffling in there. I actually predicted Washington to jump Florida State. Maybe it does. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Um, and that's a strength of schedule uh, thing. You know, is Washington picking up another quality win over USC? Um, and, you know, Florida State's schedule is, is just not helping them right now. Um, but, you know, and then Georgia would have a shot at jumping Ohio State. I don't think Michigan's going to move. Um, but, uh, and again, that would be, you know, kind of a strength of schedule thing. You know, Georgia picked up a good win over Mizzou. And while Rutgers isn't terrible, they're not, you know, a team that was in the rankings. So um, it's possible. So you can see Georgia at number one. It's going to happen eventually uh, if it doesn't happen this week. And that's assuming they keep winning. And um, and then Washington, Florida State, um, if Washington keeps winning, if, it does, if they don't jump Florida State this week, they will eventually. So you mentioned about Alabama. They were, I think, number eight last week, right? Did they stay at eight? You said they might move the up. Oregon but... six, Oklahoma, Texas seven, Alabama eight. Oh, I guess, you know what? Oklahoma was below them. Yeah, they were with, below so them. So there's... Move up. Sorry. What yeah, you... Oklahoma was below them to begin with, so that won't affect Alabama. Where do you have Alabama in the bowl structure right now, today? Uh, Cotton Bowl against Oregon. Ooh, against Bo Nix? Yeah, you've yeah, had that one for a couple. Yeah, you've had that one for a couple weeks. Aspect of it, I, I mean, I don't think about stuff like that. The committee doesn't either. I just put together, you know, matchups. I think the committee would go for. But uh, yeah, I guess Bo Nick, yeah, that would be a thing, wouldn't it? All right, let's talk about <laughs> Michigan. My understanding was the Michigan AD passed up this weekend to stay on campus. Been a few things going on there that he thinks he should attend to. Big Ten comes out and says that you know they issued an edict on disciplining. Michigan, do you first of all, do you think they will discipline Michigan, e- even though it would probably hurt the conference a bit? But do, could you see something happening before this year is out with the Big Ten taking action against Michigan? Um, well, the first of all, the Big Ten didn't announce anything, it, it was probably leaked from Michigan that they received a notice from the Big Ten of pending disciplinary action uh it's likely that that disciplinary action would be to suspend jim harbaugh for an unknown uh, period of time uh they probably told michigan um but uh and then of course course harbaugh's already said if they do something to him he's going to court so you know it's not over yet whatever it is 
but yes, I think the Big Ten intends to do something. They pretty much have to. The entire rest of the league is begging the commissioner to do something. Coaches, ADs, presidents, all of them think that the commissioner can't wait for the NCAA to get around to doing something, and yet they don't want to do anything that's going to explicitly punish the players, like ban them from the championship game or you know anything like that. So um, Michigan, at the team, maybe you know in terms of the players are going to have a chance to do everything they've set out to do. It just may be that Coach Harbaugh is not there to lead them to do it. Well, all right, let me ask you this, though. Do, do, don't you think, too, that the conference, just aside from the coaches, they'd love to get Michigan and Ohio State into the Final Four, more money coming in, prestige for the league, so that if they took any action, that that might injure the league itself? Well, I think that, you know, you could argue that this scandal is injuring the league. So, um, but suspending Harb, I mean, they're not going to, they're not going to make it so that Michigan can't play. Um, So Michigan's going to have the opportunity to do whatever it is they can still do. So they're going to be able to play their game. They're going to be able to play for the championship if they qualify, you know, all of that. It's just that, you know, if they do anything, it's going to be suspend Harbaugh. So it might be that Harbaugh's not leaving the team, Uh, but the, the, the players are still going to get a chance to do what they set out to do. Do you think the league hopes that Penn State beats Michigan this week or vice versa? I don't, know. I don't think it matters to the league. They don't really – their hope is to get two teams in the playoffs, and they probably want Michigan to win. But I don't think the, you know, the league just deals with whatever happens. So you went even further than I thought. I thought maybe the league, at least through this season, might – if they do something, they could do a reprimand or maybe forfeit money to the team or something like that. But you could see them possibly suspending Harbaugh. Yeah, uh, that to me is the most likely um, outcome. Uh, but yes, they could do those things as well. Uh, they could find them. They could. Uh, uh, there could be monetary um, uh, monetary penalties as well. Jerry Palm joining us from uh, CBS Sports. Think Georgia has any uh, difficulty this week with Ole Miss? Um, yeah, I think Miss, Mississippi can give them a game. Uh, I don't, you know, I they've they've played well against the better teams on their schedule, but you could argue Mizzou was the best team they've played so far, and Mizzou gave them a game. So uh, you know, I don't think there's any reason to believe Ole Miss couldn't give them a game. Uh, but you know, we'll see. Georgia's pretty good. Um, obviously, and uh, they haven't been the dominant team, though, that they've been the last two years. Uh, Georgia doesn't look completely unbeatable, even though they're probably still the best team in the SEC. With Oklahoma losing two games now, how does it look for the Big 12 to get a team in the Final Four? It's really just Texas at this point. Uh, that's the only team. It, Texas has to go 12-1 and one, um, and see what happens. You know, Texas... The win over Alabama is carrying Texas. You know, the rest of the league is beating each other up a little bit. Um, they're still going to have some teams in the rankings, which is good. Uh, but their primary competition could be, it, well, first of all, if there are four undefeated teams, which we haven't had yet, but it could still happen. If we have four undefeated teams, Texas is out of luck. So they need some help ahead of them. Um, and then, you know, they, I guess it depends on who's there. Is it, 
12 and 1 Oregon conference champion as well. How do they compare with Oregon? Well, that win over Alabama could have a lot to say about that. Um, you know, is it uh, you know 12 and 1 Florida State? Well, you know, Texas is going to be ahead of them, so it depends on who's. Is it 11 and 1 Ohio State? You know, I think Texas edges them out too. It's going to be hard for the Big Ten to put two teams in this year. It's um, regardless of who's there, but Ohio State would be the better candidate at 11 and 1 than either Michigan or Penn State. So Texas really cheering for Alabama, right? Because the more wins and the better all run the they time. make. Yeah, uh, all day, every day. Yep. So what about we cheering for Alabama because the the committee is still respecting right that head to head result. But at some point, Alabama is going to need Texas to lose, right? Because I mean, because that depends on what happens. If they beat Georgia, Texas and Alabama could both get in. If Alabama's a twelve and one SEC champion and they beat Georgia, Texas and Alabama could both get in. Yeah, Ooh, what a matchup that would be. If Georgia they could play might be the odd man out in that case. Jerry, do you believe the uh, the head of the college football playoff committee when he comes out and says, you know, when we sit down and meet and we put this poll together that we never even considered all that's going on against Michigan? Yes, absolutely. That's not their job. That's not their job to do that. It's not their job to adjudicate NCAA infractions. That, that they, if, they, if somebody comes out and makes Michigan ineligible, then they deal with it. As long as Michigan's playing – Regardless of whatever else is going on, Michigan's being judged on its results, and that's it. I understand that, but I can't imagine meeting for two or three days and nobody mentions it. <laughs> nobody mentions it because it's not criteria. They're not there. To, I mean, they may be talking about it around the water cooler, but it doesn't affect it doesn't affect their deliberations in terms of how they treat Michigan. You know, when they're taking breaks and stuff, they probably talk about a lot of things, but. None of that matters when they're deliberating on these rankings. Obviously, Michigan-Penn State, key game this week. Any others that you think could have an effect on the final four or the, the, the polls that come out? Any other games on the schedule this week? Oh, sure. I mean, the we just talked about uh, Georgia. Georgia and Mississippi. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's a big game. Who's Washington got this week? Somebody good. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. Is it uh, UCLA this week for them? Um They've got uh, they've got good games down the stage. I know they still have Oregon State and Washington State. Neither of those are this week. Um, they, they got Utah. So, you know, I think oh, they have Utah, Utah Jerry. Utah. They, you know, there's good good games in the Pac-12 every week. So sure, there's there's a lot of games that could still impact what's going on uh, in the top four this week. But we've got a couple of big ones for sure. Do you have has your opinion changed on Colorado and Deion Sanders since they've lost a few games now? What are they like four and five or uh, something like that? My opinion of them was always that they were going to struggle to make a bowl game. So, no. Quickly, before we let you go, Jerry, uh, Alabama-LSU over the weekend from uh, from your spot up there, uh, is that more indicative of how good Alabama is or how bad LSU's defense is? Well, it's a little of both. I mean, Alabama's definitely getting better. You've seen the improvement over the course of the season, and, and Milrow is starting to play with more confidence. Yeah. Uh, which helps a lot. But LSU's defense is pretty bad. It's funny because I was flipping back and forth between that game and USC, and those are like two of the worst power conference de- defenses yeah. out there, which is weird because those are ranked teams. They're good because they've got terrific offenses, but it's hard to overcome your defense sometimes. Hey, always appreciate it, Jerry. Great catching up. Uh, have a great week, and we'll do it again next week. All right. Thanks. You too. Yep. You got any issues with uh, teeth or uh, any problems with the mouth? 
not what you say, but I'm talking about because <laughs> I'm not talking about foot in the mouth, but I'm talking about oh dental problems, dental implants, wisdom teeth. I'm telling you, call Dr. Christopher Mullenix's office four seven one three three eight one, located at seven fifteen downtown or Boulevard. Let's say you're driving to work. Uh, something happens. Uh, hopefully not, but maybe an accident or something. Jaws uh, hits the uh, whatever window or something like that. Give them a call. Uh, chances are they can get you in. Hey, look, I've been there. Uh, they're very professional, very professional, very personable staff, easy to work with. And with my dental implants, the seven or eight that I've had, I lost count. The next day, no pain and very little discomfort. That's mobile, oral, and facial surgery. They were voted number one in Lanyap. Not surprising at all that Dr. Christopher Mullinex and Dr. Alan Wallander, they have been our title sponsor for years for game day. We are going where this week? Baker. How about that? Baker High School. We're going back to see Steve Norman and the fine folks over there. It's going to be a lot of fun. He's always uh, He's a hoot. Yeah, he's a pretty good football coach, too, from he time is. to time. So, uh, And when he's not, we certainly point it out, and he just laughs at us. So it, it should be a lot of fun. Speaking of uh, coaches, Darnell Archie is going to join us at 8 o'clock, University of Mobile basketball coach. To be fair, Lee had Lee must have sensed something. He must have been like using the force because he scheduled Darnell before the game even tipped. So uh, we need to check Lee's mattress to see if there's any uh, – any any more money or cash stuffed in it because clearly he knew something we didn't solely out of curiosity after the game after the game i tried to find like what the line would have been to see like how big of a vegas episode i i couldn't find one they usually don't do one for nai or let's say if you go outside your fbs now the michigan state did you see that one i think they were favored like by 16, 16 and a half and something like that yeah JMU is good, but Michigan State's. I, I don't want you good. to break any news or anything, but you don't, you don't put money out on college basketball, do you? It's so crazy. College basketball is is where the money's to be made. And there you have it. I that, didn't. I, I didn't say yes or no there. I'm, I know you, you. College basketball is, is is the best sport to bet on. Ooh, we might need some clarification. As yeah, to why I'd like that to is. know why guy misses a free throw. Well, uh, we're out of time. All right. Hey there, this is Bob Baumauer, ex-jock, head fry cook, and I listen to 105.5 WNSP, Mobile, Alabama. Wrapping up hour number two here on a busy, busy Tuesday. Thanks for hanging with us. All right, you hear the music. It's time for another edition of Naming It. That's right. You have a chance to qualify for the – I feel like a game show host when I do this segment. You have a chance to qualify for the Alec Naming Catering Party. All you have to do is uh, listen to the audio clip and identify the person, place, or thing in said audio clip. Be the first person to get Bronner on the phone at 694-1055. DJ, play that stuff. All right. There you go. All right, so what we're looking for there uh, is we're identifying whatever that was that was making that sound. Not what the sound was, but what was making that sound. What's the difference? 
Well, there was a certain song being played. I don't need the name of the song. I want the name of the thing that was making that noise. That's the difference. Do you know what that was, Lee? I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to give it away. I I I would take a guess, and since I'm usually wrong anyway, it's not worth even throwing something out there. But, I mean, in my mind, I I was thinking of two different, and I will leave it at that. Just Just a a simple yes or no. Just an awesome comment in the app. Oh, okay. That can't be read out loud. Oh, well, hang on. I'm going right there. Um, Is this the same one about Auburn going to the ACC? Negative. No, I'd read that ne- one out loud. Negative, Ghost Rider. All right, let's take a phone call here. Uh, welcome to WNSP. Tell us what that thing was. It was like a flute or a piccolo. And was that Tchaikovsky? Uh, I, have, I, I don't know what it was, so we need an answer, sir. Let's go with a piccolo. Boom, 50-50, and you nailed it. Congratulations. Who are we talking to? Scott. Scott, well done, sir. Uh, you were musically inclined. You took a couple of fine arts classes for sure. Stay on the line. Bronner's going to get your information. I wouldn't get that far. Well, let's not let details get in the way of a good story, Scott. Come on. I'm trying to help you out here. All right. I was thinking flute. And you would have been wrong. There I've never go. been right, so no surprise. <sighs> Somebody in the app got it right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying a variety of was things. Was it Tchaikovsky, though? I have was no he idea. right about no, that? that was, uh, it uh, was a very familiar tune. He, that guy might have been onto something. I, I think it was. You're uh, such a classical musical guy. I really am. It's you kinda, are. It's, I you're, know you like the cars, and you're always set, but me, I, I like to go back. classic. The, yeah, you yeah. go home and listen to classical music, Beethoven. Yeah. That's it, just Beethoven. That's, That's Beethoven. the only classical. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mozart? Mozart? Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um so, all right, coming up, Darnell Archie's going to join us. You guys have been very adamant about what happened last night. University of Mobile uh, beats South Alabama in, in South Alabama's season opening game at the Mitchell Center. Um, we're going to talk to Darnell about this, but this was um, an upset of epic proportions. See, and Michael, that's why we, yesterday we talked about this, you know, and I know I was throwing terms like nitpicking and, and things about Nikki picky is what yeah the thing <laughs> the thing about people are it's not winning as much as it as it is like did I win my bet so in other words if you if you root for Alabama yeah you want them to win but you, you bet on them and if they don't that's when you start really picking th- things apart but you said it's easier in college basketball I would say that's the craziest sport to bet on I, that's just from an outsider I don't I don't know if I necessarily use the word easier I mean you got guys going to the free throw line missing shots and everything and to depend on these 17 and 18 year old kids I I wouldn't chance it but, but couldn't you say that about any college sport you though? could but just with basketball it just seems that's it's an easier sport to really get discombobulated. Let's say, you know, you, you see leads go faster than other sports. You could lose. Well, as you pointed out yesterday, the uh, Mobile had like a 27-point lead. It was, it like was down to six. Yeah. It was yeah. 20. Uh, according to Craig, it was 27, down yeah. to six before you could blink. Well, I mean, I, I think if in, in any kind of point spread yesterday, uh, South Alabama was not covering. 
<laughs> I mean, I would think that like if there was a point spread, which would I, which I said I well, couldn't what was, find. What was the point spread on Alabama? They wouldn't. Alabama was twenty-one point favorites yesterday, and they easily surpassed that. They won by about thirty. It was dicey with about like eight minutes left. Uh, Morehead State scored some points, but then you know the newest star of Alabama basketball, Grant Nelson, took over. Which, Man. by the way, get to know him if you don't know him. Yeah, he uh, he's awesome. I saw some of the highlights. Duke and <laughs> he's Duke and awesome. Fly. Man, he <laughs> shoots threes, he dunks, he passes. He's cool. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm I, I'm worried that you know he's gonna get exposed when it comes to conference play and actually playing Power Five opponents. I don't know if uh, Guys. if he can interior defend, but. Uh, he sounds he's like, fun. It sounds like Bronner's got a little bit of a crush. I do. I I, I do. On Bro's got a man crush. Hey, I don't care. I'm just happy to hear him say something nice about somebody. Uh, I don't care who he's saying it about. He, man crush or whatever. Thank you, Michael. There's some there's some heart. Grant Nelson, man. This team it sounds like Grant Nelson different. might have made Bronner a little money last night too. That Did might he? be why. Did he? <laughs> well, that might be. Okay, let's say it. you bet on Michigan State. And James Madison. And, and Michigan State was like 16 and a half. Michigan State shoots one for 20 from the three-point line. That's what I'm talking about as far as, I mean, yeah, any sport that you bet on to me is risky. But it just seems college basketball is riskier than the others. Oh, I, I, I heard the pick yesterday was James Madison plus 16 and a half. I didn't take it. I mean, what do you really know about the James Madison basketball program? <laughs> Seriously. They wear purple jerseys. Good football team. Yeah, apparently a pretty good basketball team. Hey, too. You, know, we on the road you know, one of the major upsets this week we never even mentioned, Air Force was undefeated and Army beat them. And I mean, they really beat him. Was it twenty to three or something? And Army has not had a good year. They lost to Massachusetts. They got blown to smithereens by LSU, and they beat the Air Force, which had been undefeated. I gotta ask you something. Go, Lee. Go for it. Every uh, military academy. Why is it the Army, the Air Force? It's not necessarily. I just use that <laughs> instead of saying Army. I could say Black Knights of the Hudson. Would that have made a difference? You can say an Army you, one you, over the weekend or an Army. You <laughs> could just <laughs> say Army. I, I, Some Air Force lost over Does that bother you, Michael? Seriously, is that something you're going to lose sleep on? I, I'm not losing sleep over it. It's honestly, it's honestly funny. I, I kind of like it. You know, growing uh, up, I was, a, I was a huge fan of the Army. Of which, Army. Which one? Of Army. <laughs> which one? Ours. The one over in the, the, uh, on, on the Hudson River. Uh-huh. That one, Mikey Stadium. I used to really uh, root for them. They had some great, great players back when, before you, long before you came along. Army, Navy, they had some great, great players. Obviously, things have changed. Because you were fans of of those institutions, you ever want to go to one? No, no, <laughs> no. You didn't want to be all you could be. You know the f three teams back in the fifties I rooted for. Don't ask me why. Notre Dame, Army, and Yale. But I couldn't tell you why. Back in the 50s. In the 50s. In the 50s. Lee, that was 70 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yale. Back, hey, when college football first turned the century, back in, what, 1900, Yale was a powerhouse. Mm. Army, they had Heisman Trophy winners. So how many times they did you have to— They were national champs. How many times did you have to reboot the tie line to, to call that game? <laughs> Probably, probably not much because no, nobody else is on the Probably as many times as we do now. Yeah. Uh, uh, I love college basketball. I'm so happy it's back.
No, you love Alabama basketball. I mean, I enjoyed the Michigan State game last night, too. I do love Alabama basketball. Did you watch that game? I watched the end of it after the Alabama game ended. All right, speaking of college basketball, Darnell Archie, he's going to be in a pretty good mood today. Let's see if he slept any last night. University of Mobile takes down South Alabama, and we'll talk about it next. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Can I do the intro? Please. Mind? And now, your winning coach, Darnell Archie. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Coach, congratulations, <laughs> man. Uh, first question, have you been to bed yet? Uh, <clears throat> I kind of lost my voice, but, um, yeah, I slept for a little bit. Um, I love the Bulls entry thing. I appreciate that one. That's that's my jam right there. But, um I should be husband and father of the year. My youngest daughter had 6 a.m. practice, and I let my wife sleep in, and I took her because I was already up. Yeah, I um, bet. So I took her to 6 a.m., but, you know, we got Spring Hill on Wednesday, so we um, definitely are enjoying this win. Don't, don't, no question there, but trying to trying to get prepared for Spring Hill. Look, Darnell, you know this, Troy. I mean, you were an assistant at South. You've been an assistant at other schools. You're with an FBS school. You do not lose to NAIA schools. Did you go into that game? Granted, you had four games under your belt. You had a good start at 3-1, and one, and all coaches think they can win every game. What was your mindset going into the game against South Alabama, and what did you tell your team prior to the game? You know, we played there the last four years, and, you know, I always felt good going into that game, and we usually came out with a 40-point butt whooping. So this year – I took a different approach, just kind of went in a little more free, went up, talked to the people in the stands, um, really enjoyed it. But we have a we have a group of guys that have been here for a while. You know, the, the crazy thing is seven of the guys that played last night have played in the Mitchell Center more than probably half the team that uh, Coach Riley had. That's just how it is right now. Um, I have a guy named P.J. King that's played six games in the Mitchell Center. He's been with him for four years. But – I told him to believe. You know, I sound like Coach Prime here, but I told him, believe in yourself. You know, believe that we can do it. Um, have a sense of urgency. You know, we have a saying called do what we do. I don't know if that's grammatically correct, but play our style of basketball and then fight, 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 fight. And and we made shots early on. As you know, when you make shots early, um, it really gives you that sense of confidence that you can do it. And, you know, they, they were missing a lot of shots, so – um, the confidence just snowballed, and we, we felt like we could we had we had a great chance. Dude, to say that you all were making shots was an understatement. Y'all shot 69% from the field, Darnell, in the first half. You shot 63% from three-point range in that same time. Uh, and it wasn't like y'all – I mean, obviously you're going to come down from that a little bit in the second half, but you guys just shot the absolute hell out the ball. And they – I keep saying they couldn't throw it in the ocean if they were standing on a boat. 
It was, um, we were due some shots. You know, you look at our stats, I think we're shooting about 31% from three on the year. I kept telling my guys, like, we're a better shooting team than that. Um, we they stayed in the gym. They, you know, they say, my, my mentor, Brad Stevens, used to always say law of averages. So it really balanced out last night um, for us. But, you know, we had some good looks, you know, we talked about, and just good players you know my, my guys are talented and and that showed through last night well you guys from what i saw i mean you guys are, are tall you're lanky you're athletic i thought you were a step quicker uh quicker out front than they were uh you guys attack the boards uh you have a little dog in you like you have i think you have that recipe that you need a little bit of everything and it just kind of all came together it seemed like last night it did absolutely you know these we returned everybody from last year, um, added a couple pieces. So they've been to the wars with me. Um, I've been to the wars with them in the sense the battles, I should say. Um, you know, our center, Ezra McKenna, he can play for a lot of teams, a lot of different levels. Uh, we have several guys like that, Trent Moy, Damari Jones, the local boy from Viger High School, Pooh Frazier, put on a show yeah. last night. So I was really, really excited to see him perform well. University of Mobile basketball coach Darnell Archie. All right, what during the handshake? And I'm assuming there was one yesterday. Yeah, oh yeah. What what uh, what did uh, Coach Ritchie and you talk about? What did he say? You know, before the game, he he, he knew we had a really good team. Um, he, he's been complimentary ever since I've, I've been at the University of Mobile. You know, mixed emotions going through the handshake line for me. You know, obviously I've been on the other side. I know what this type of game is supposed to be um so it was definitely mixed emotions but you know we just shook hands said best of luck um and uh, i'm rooting for him i'm rooting for him he'll, he'll he'll get that thing going you know like i said that was like you said that was the first game for us we're three weeks in you know basically so um we have we got to iron out our kinks down in lakeland florida last week so it's a little unfair advantage to be honest with you in that sense but um it, it was very, very, like I said, mixed emotions going through there. So I've been on both sides of it. Um, I'm very proud of our university, our guys, and, and everything. Even though this doesn't count as a win because you guys don't count, uh, right. FBS, is it the biggest win you've ever coached in your life? Um, I, I best definitely rank it up there as a head coach. Yeah, I mean, as a head coach, absolutely. Yes, as a head coach, you know, as a director of operations, you went to national championship games. But as a head coach, um, not even close. Um, my only uh, – Mark would uh, attest to this. Coaching my daughter in the City League Championship ranks right up there. That's a little bit special. But um, on the college level, this is by far um, my biggest – our biggest win yet so uh, i love when south and mobile play regardless of the outcome because you have two incredibly passionate and emotional guys so i'm constantly watching you guys on the bench darnell because you guys are kind of going through it you guys there are guys there are certain coaches out there that kind of play the game with their players and richie and darnell are two of those guys so things got a little tight there a little a little uncomfortable for you there in the second half when they started bringing a little pressure and so to watch you was almost as entertaining as watching the game. And I and only bring that up because it's a really a perfect storm for you, right? Because you get this huge win, right? There's no other way to describe it. This is just a huge win for you. But you also can go back to your guys and say, look, as well as you all played, we got to work on this, this, and this. Absolutely. You know, I knew the pressure was coming. Yeah. Um, they did a good job of trapping us, taking away a couple of our outlets. 
Um, you know, also when you when you have that lead, you, you don't want to take the air out of the ball too soon. Right. But also, like some of our guys took a couple of quick shots. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like let's make this um, low possession game. We didn't really want to get up and down, even though we like to play fast. Um, and then, as you know, I'm a free throw shooter, and we go 45 percent from I the saw free that. throw line. That yeah, was, that was killing me. Um, yeah. that's usually what, how you that's usually how you lose games: um, turnovers and missed free throws. So. Um, we were lucky to make enough to survive. Do you think they'll invite you back next year? Because it's pretty standard that when a school like Mobile right. beats or even comes close to beating an FBS school, chances are you're not coming back. <laughs> Knowing the um, competitor that Coach Riley is, I would say yes. I, I would say he, he, he would definitely probably, but um, we'll just have to wait and see on that. Um, so it's it's exciting, as you guys can can imagine. For us, I'm not going to downplay the win at all, even though it doesn't count. Um, but it, it it's big for our guys. You know, the, all those guys would love to play at that level every night. It was a special moment, the environment, uh, the DJ. You know, we're not used to all that stuff. So I, I'm glad our guys handled the moment. Um, the past couple of years, I thought the moment was been too big for them. Um, this year, they relaxed and settled in. You know, I'll tell you. Uh, here comes the basketball nerd in me. But for the, we call it po- what I call it point. You, the offense that you guys kind of run uh, is one of those continuous uh, uh, deals where there are just a ton of different options, and all your guys offensively are, are mo- moving constantly and reading different options. There, I think when they deuced the the ball, like the screener slipped, and it. I mean, you guys hit the cutter on the like. You guys just. It, it seemed like you guys were executing at a high level offensively. And then I thought defensively, like if they tried to hedge, they didn't hedge enough. And you guys were just a step quicker um, and you guys made the right passes. So uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is if you have a chance to go out to see the University of Mobile, you're going to see some really good fundamental basketball on the offensive side for sure. Well, tomorrow night would be a good night, right? You're, you're at Spring Hill, correct? That's right. Yes, we got Spring Hill at Far Gym. We, we want to go out and pack that place. Love to sell that place out. But um, to get to your point, Mark, you know, we put in our Chin Princeton offense, the point. Um, yeah. Several high schools run it down here. You know, Coach Murphy yeah. um, at McGill. Um, Jimbo Tolbert ran at Spanish Fort. UMS Wright does it. Um, so it's. It's a, it's a five, it's, I, I love it. It's our third year that we've had it in. You can see our guys are just more and more comfortable running it, um, especially when they try to take away your point guard. You know, anybody can bring it up and get right into the offense. You have the uh, two McKennas on your team. Were, did both play at Spring Hill or just one of them? Just one. So Sage played at Spring Hill for a year. Um, Ezra, uh, he was player of the week this last week, probably a chance to be, you know, NAI player of the year. He started out at Air Force, and he wanted to come join his brother. And I said, come on, you know, come on. And we're, we've gotten lucky on some of those guys. You know, Damari Jones from um, Bessemer, Alabama, we, we've been lucky in the recruiting and lucky that guys have stayed. You know, a couple guys could have left and gone to play at a higher level last year, and they decided to um, they wanted to win the championship at the University of Mobile. Yeah. Uh, and to your point about that offense, that's not one of those things where you just install it and everybody just goes. It it takes a couple years for guys to really feel comfortable in that type of offense. That's right. You know, and they've really bought in. You know, my, my biggest thing is I have six guys that can score the basketball. Uh, we play about an eight-man rotation. And really, we could go 10 or 11 deep, but it's hard to play those many guys. And I just I love the culture that we have with you know 17 guys on our roster. Everybody was engaged and excited. 
um, and it's it's fun to to keep building on that. Did you hear from Brad Stevens yet? You know, I've heard from everybody but him. I don't know if he might be a little busy, uh, but uh, I'm sure the the text message is coming. Um, you know, so I was I was trying to stay cool and calm like Brad does, but that's that's hard to do. Um, so down the stretch, but he, I was trying to be like my mentor. He's the director of operations for a team called the Boston Celtics right now. So I got to before we let you go because I know we're running long. But what's your message to your team? At halftime, you're up 47-23 on the road at a D1 opponent. Right. What, what's the message? You know, I was nervous. I was definitely nervous. Um, you know, they were very loud when I came back into the locker room. But as I mentioned before, we got guys that have been with me for a long time, and they were saying everything that I was about to say. I was like, well, no, I don't need to be in here, guys. You, yeah. you guys got it. And I, I, mean, I don't mean that sarcastically, but uh, very coach – coach speak you know one possession at a time all that stuff and just keep playing the way we play and we traded baskets there for a little bit but um just you know couldn't put them away um coach riley had a resilient team there they kept battling and had a chance to really take the almost get it yeah. below five points right there yeah they got to what six or seven there with uh, a couple times there um mm -hmm. so things got dicey but uh no look man congratulations it's an unbelievable win for you i know personally it's a huge win for the university of mobile um so congrats um and it's almost like lee knew something man he had just scheduled uh, even before they tipped so i think he's got a little insider info there he does lee's the man um he, he knows what's going on but you know as coach coach saban always talks about that rat poison so we don't want to get to our head here we got a Got to prepare for Spring Hill tomorrow and uh, play that game. Then we got eight days to rest, so we'll, we'll be ready to go. You going to work on your free throw shooting today? Absolutely. Hopefully, they can sub in the coach. Um, maybe a, you know have a coach shoot it, and I, I feel a lot better about it. Yeah. Hey, uh, enjoy it, man. Congrats, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks, Darnell. Appreciate you. Appreciate you guys. Thank yep. you. That's uh, Darnell Archie, the University of Mobile, eighty-three seventy-four over the Jags. Did he say they shot only 40? Did I miss hear what he said? He said from the free throw line, they were only 45%, though? Yeah, they were 12 of like 23 That's like a recipe something. for losing. Uh, yeah, they um, yeah, they were uh, 2 of 6 in the first half, 10 of 17 in the second. And they still won. And right. they still won because they just shot unbelievably in the first half. Um, now, South outscored them. 51-36 in the second half, but they were up 24 points. Uh, it was a crazy game. Hey, we'll be back. Traffic and weather are next, and it'll chance for some fried deliciousness. Hang with us. This is Andrew Zhao, Alabama former quarterback. Listen to WNSD 105.5. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A All right, it's 824, and here is your daily opportunity for some fried deliciousness compliments of WNSP. All right, in Houston's win this past Sunday, the game which Stroud threw all those touchdown passes, a running back, and I probably going to say the name wrong Dari Ogabali kicked a field goal in the fourth quarter because the kicker Fairbame missed the second half with an injury so 
Ngawali became the first non-kicker or punter to convert a field goal since. Who was the last non-kicker to kick a field goal in an NFL game? You name that person, you get the Chick-fil-A. Michael, did I say that right? Did it come out right? Dora Gumbawale? No, not that. I'm talking about the, the question that people know. <laughs> I knew I was wrong on that one. Um, but the, the, the answer, of course, who was the last NFL player who was a non-kicker to kick a field goal in a regular season game because th- their kicker got injured? All right, there's your question. There's your question. So do you think uh, – do we already have a winner? Yeah, Matthew. Matthew Already? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. So today, on the qualifier and the question, first-timer, the answer was Wells Walker when he was with Miami. Not with New England, but with Miami. Before Brady made his career. Yeah, and I guess when he went to uh, the Patriots with Venetieri, he didn't have to worry about kicking field goals, did he? Mm, I don't think he ever had to kick in New England. So was you've been around for both, Lisa. Let me ask you this question. Was Mobile's win over South last night in basketball a bigger upset than South Alabama's win over Alabama in the NCAA tournament? Probably not. Really? Okay. Alabama, if you remember, was leading by 18 at the half. They were heavily favored to beat South Alabama. And in the scheme of things, in the scheme of things, in an NCAA tournament versus first game of the season, I would still have to go with South Alabama. Over now, Alabama. No question it was a bigger story yeah. in the state. Like, right. I get that. But from a but from all things that considered, you're down by 18 or 19 at the half to a very, very good Alabama team. Team that had but, a So let me, let me rephrase it, though. So if I tell you, what, what's there a better chance of happening? South, going into a game, not at half, 0-0, South beating Alabama in an NCAA tournament game that year, or NIA Mobile going into South and winning? Yeah, I disagree in the sense that it's the NCAA tournament, anything can happen, versus like, geez, that doesn't happen. I, I tend to, I, I agree, but that's why I'm asking Lee, because he has a little perspective on both sure. games. I, I, I don't remember... South yeah, in, you're in down Alabama. by 18, 19 and a half. It, it doesn't look good. Uh, and the magnitude of the moment, I would still say, the, the you know, that to me would prevail. You know, what's going to happen? You know, this, this game, if South can get it going, you know, you might overlook it eventually. It it, it means one loss for South. It, it means no wins for Mobile. But the thing is, and I – Mark, you could better answer this. Go, the reason I didn't think Mobile, I never would think an NIA school would beat South Alabama or, or any of them, any, anybody who plays like that. But they did have a little bit of an advantage having played four games, including some really good opposition, although they were coming off just one day rest. I'm going to say without – I, I got to go with Mobile over South being a bigger upset. I mean – to, to our earlier point, they don't even make lines for games like this. I, like, I, I could not legitimately right. find a There's line. There is a line for, and to your point, they for call everything. it March Madness for a reason because anything can happen. You don't <laughs> lose to an, a Division One program cannot and should not 
lose to an NAI program. And that's not that's not a shot at Darnell. I think he understands that. Uh, you just can't lose. And lose the way they did? I mean, Richie Riley himself said after the game it was the worst loss he's ever endured as a head coach. Uh, we hope to talk to Coach Riley later in the week. Uh, they are traveling, but we're hoping to, we'll catch them, right? Tomorrow. All right, we'll see. Uh, we're going to talk some Kentucky football next. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station, WNSP. I'm talking about Kentucky woman. She gets to love you. She goes to own you. Kentucky woman. 8.32. Lee's got this big grin on his face. It's like... Lee is on, Lee is Lee is on one today. He he really is. He's uh tried to re- find really really nicky picky on this audio <laughs> list. <laughs> you, you you followed it well today. I think this this qualifies for you getting a Chick Fil A this week. Uh, you did I'd well. You that. did well. Yeah, I tried to find a song. I uh, Jeff Bacaro is our special guest. Jeff's on the Kentucky Radio Network. And he also uh, covers the Cincinnati Bengals, so he's very much clued into football. Jeff, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Well, first off, that's one of the things that Kentucky has been trying to do is find a song that they could play at their stadium, (laughs) much like Alabama has and all these other schools have. And you got that one that you just played, Kentucky Woman. You got the you know, Kentucky Rain by Elvis. I mean, there's just not many that talk about Kentucky. Well, so. I was trying to come up, Jeff, and I was thinking about this in the first one that I could think of. But then again, what about the uh, the, the song, the music they play at the uh, Kentucky Derby? I didn't know if that would fit. Uh, is that would oh, that have been better? Kentucky Home. Yeah, would that have been better? They play that at the end of every game. It's kind of it kind of is like a funeral dirge to tell you the truth. It's a slow song, and you know we've seen a lot of bad football, so it kind of was apropos. But uh, Mark Stoops is trying to change that. <laughs> Are you coming off your best win this year after the uh, Mississippi State road win? Um, I, I don't know if it's the best win, but it, it was a good one. Uh, I thought I, I think the best win was probably the Florida game, just because of how dominant they were in that game. Um, I mean, they just. They did whatever they wanted offensively. They ran for almost 300 yards. Uh, I, I think that was probably their best one. But this is this is one of the best because it's been forever since Kentucky's beat an SEC East. I'm sorry, SEC West team on the road. So that was huge. They hadn't won at Mississippi State at their place since 2008. It's been uh, since 2008 the home team has won every game. So it's you know it's very weird the way that uh, that's gone. You know, there was a story written, and I, I, I'm assuming you were around for it, that the, what the Bluegrass Miracle, because it wasn't yeah, Nick Saban coaching. I, I called it. <laughs> yeah, you did. Wasn't Nick Saban coaching LSU at the time? or? Uh, no, that was, um, um, oh, goodness gracious, the hat. What, what, what was his name? Uh, they called him the hat. Les Miles? Yes, it was West Miles, wasn't it? No, I think uh, I think what what year was that? That was that was Saban because Saban was asked about it. Jamarcus was the quarterback. Remember, went on to the Raiders first round. Yeah. Well, then it would have been Saban because he played for Saban. That's yeah, because Saban was asked about it and he brought that up. So, as he pointed out, anything can happen when you go up to Kentucky. Yeah, you, you know, the I guess the good or bad thing, however you want to look at it this way, is 
the weather's going to be beautiful. Um, it, it, t- tomorrow, believe it or not, it's supposed to be 80. Um, so it's going to be going to be pretty decent weather for the game, which Kentucky was hoping this, you know, a little bit later in the season it might be cold and damp, but looks like it's going to be a beautiful day for football. So, so talk about the atmosphere though. That it's an early game, 11 a.m. game. Talk about the atmosphere that early for that type of game. Well, I think that with SEC Nation coming in. Um, that changes things a little bit. They came earlier this year. It was a packed house. Uh, you know, everybody showed up. This has been a really hard ticket to get, even before this season, uh, because of the change in the scheduling. You don't know when you're going to play Alabama again. So, you know, I got a bunch of calls. I just got a call yesterday for tickets from some guys up in Cincinnati who are you know, do do games up there that are off, and we're wanting to come down. So uh, everybody wants to come see this game because I I think especially at the start of the year it was huge because it looked like there were two games, Georgia and Alabama, that were really going to be the difference makers in the schedule. There was a possibility people thought that Kentucky could win. Um, if you win either of those two games, it just catapults your team to that you know that next level. And with the way Kentucky's played, even with the loss at Tennessee, uh, the way they were able to throw the football, I think a lot of people say, you know, you, you get a you get yourself what we call a fighter's chance, you know? Jeff Bacora is with the uh, Kentucky Network, uh, covers the NFL with the Bengals. So how has it worked out? The Kentucky made news when they got that transfer from NC State, and mm-hmm. supposedly he was the best transfer quarterback out there on the market. Has has that worked out for the uh, Wildcats? He's been okay. I mean, he hasn't been sensational. Um, I, I think that there's been, you know, they have they have one piece missing in the offensive line, uh, and that's in the interior guard. They've got three guys that kind of uh, rotate. They'll get because Horsey, uh, Kenneth Horsey, their fifth year senior, uh, was injured the very first game, and he just came back for the Tennessee game. So. That's been a little bit of a hole for them. Uh, Ray Davis was a fantastic get at running back, and I think Devin Leary is still trying to establish himself as the quarterback. You know, Lee, the one thing that I've seen with this this transfer portal is that you have these teams that are, I don't want to say rudderless, but you miss that uh, the senior or upper-class guys who take charge uh, because, I mean, Devin's been here for five months. And, and, and in another month, he's done, and he'll be gone. And you just don't have that time to, to to create that camaraderie with your teammates that you do when you're there for two, three, or four years. And that, that to me, is kind of the biggest shortcoming of this, is, is who are the leaders, how do they stand up, and how do you find them in such a short period of time? He's gonna. By the way, Devin Leary's going to play, right? I mean, that's just a little sportsman oh, yeah. gamesmanship there. Yeah, on uh... he, Yeah, he got tackled, and he kind of, when he – he, he hit his head, but he kind of hit the face mask first, and it kind of jarred him, and he was having problems with his vision, uh, meaning that, like, when they called the play, he had to look down on his wrist, and and he was having, like, some blurred vision a little bit, but that's cleared up. He practiced yesterday, and uh, he'll practice today, and he, he's fine. So, yes, he will play. Jeff, just out of curiosity, when you played for Kentucky, what position did you play? Were you a wide receiver? Wide, wide receiver, yep. Yep, and we played Alabama. Uh, Bear Bryant was the coach, and I remember coming out on the field, the coolest thing, coming out on the field, and he was right under the goalpost, leaning against the goalpost in that classic pose, and 
we should have won that game. They did an onside kick, a little bloop kick, and we were winning, and they ended up winning. I, I think the final score was 17-14, but uh, it was a fun game. All right, let me ask you this. Make a case for Kentucky to win this game. Well, defense has, has really stepped up uh, for Kentucky the last couple weeks. They're, they've finally gotten healthy. Um, they've got great size. They've got some playmakers on the defense. They've been very opportunistic on the defensive side. Um, they have four uh, touchdowns from the defense uh, in the last five weeks. Um I think the one problem is they have to contain Milrow. I mean, this guy is a monster, as, as Coach Stoops called him yesterday. Uh, but I, I think, it, you know, here's the thing. What Kentucky wants to do is have a chance in the fourth quarter. They have enough firepower offensively if they can establish any kind of a running game early. Uh, Ray Davis really liked him, the kid from Vanderbilt that came over at running back. He's been one of the leaders of the team. Um, and then again, it, it's all about turnovers. I, I really think if you can get a turnover or two, I don't think they're going to play like they did against Georgia. I think that that was an anomaly this year. They walked into a hornet's nest there. You're home. Um, you know, it, it, it's got to happen one of these days. It's what I keep saying about the you know Georgia. They broke that a couple years ago. Florida, they broke on that. They you know it, they Tennessee, they broke through on that one. Hey, can can we have another miracle here in Lexington? We'll see. <laughs> hey, uh, always great to catch up, man. Should be a lot of fun. Um, get a good night's sleep, man. It's it's going to be an early kick. I know it's going to be early, man. <laughs> you got to sleep fast. That's right. You know, you got the high school playoffs going on, so yeah, you got to sleep fast and get out there for that game Saturday morning. Hey, man, we appreciate it. We'll be in touch. Thanks for the time. All right, fellas. Thanks. Uh, by the way, we have a listener who did a little digging. And found the South Mobile line was 24 and a half. That's all. Oh, that's a lot in basketball. That's well, a, that's a pretty big line. Well, yeah, except like the previous nine matchups, the average margin of victory was like 28, 29 points for South Alabama. Right. All the more reason that this was just a huge upset because if, if, if you're a gambler, hypothetically, rhetorically speaking, like Bronner, then. You would just put all. I mean, that's that's easy money for South, and they were down that in the first half. I'm just saying that it goes back to our. That was a just a huge, huge. It's I just, know there's some listener who hammered University of Mobile money line cashed in. Give me a call if you did. Seriously, we want to talk to that guy. So <laughs> many times after my career with South Alabama ended, I was doing Mobile and Spring Hill games, and I would ask. And, and I guess in in the case of Joan Island being the coach, I said, why don't you guys count this as a, as a game? I mean, when, what if you win a game like this? Wouldn't you like to have that on your schedule? I mean, because it doesn't go down as a win on your schedule, although it obviously goes down as a win in his mind. So why don't you count this? He said, well, we're only allowed to play so many games, and these are what we call money game, exhibition games. So and the, what's going on now, though, I've noticed that most FBS programs are getting away from these so-called uh, exhibition games in a sense. Like, for instance, Spring Hill, I think this year, Mark, and I, I haven't really studied their schedule, but I think they only have like one, maybe two, because teams don't want to play these games anymore. In the past, they've had as many as four of these exhibition games that don't count on their schedule, but they get money, like going to Samford or Southeast Louisiana or New Orleans, and they will be playing South Alabama down the road. 
So can, since it doesn't affect their record, someone in the app put a question like, oh, I guess Mobile's going to, they're ranked, I guess, in NAIAA. Uh, can it not also affect the rank? Like, are they not going to move up in, in, in the rankings because of that? Like, I imagine someone is voting on this. Like, yeah, it seems, well, seems like they should move up if they just beat, you know, a D1 school. I, I, I don't know how that works. Yeah, I don't follow the rankings in, unless they – okay, here's the issue. We don't get much information from the University of Mobile. The only information I ever get is from Darnell himself. Spring Hill's got an SID that sends us a lot of stuff. I always know what's going on there. But as far as the rankings, I didn't realize they were ranked 22nd at this point early on. They had a very big win over the weekend against a good team. But we rarely follow the rankings in NAIA. Should a game like this measure up? I guess it depends if the information gets out there because, like I say, I don't. we don't get – any of this information emailed to us i didn't see anything nationwide on like we did with michigan state a lot of times like if a louisville gets upset in a game like this or the other day st john's lost an exhibition game to an naii school pace university but i haven't seen and if this gets out i'm sure somebody voting could say yeah you know i'll, I'll maybe move them up they beat south alabama even though it does it's not reflected in the uh, schedule well john rothstein tweeted it out last night i mean that's oh, that's nasty. does he count yeah he's good he he does fought what did he say he is he just said south Alabama loses a bye game to mobile the epitome of brutality yeah so that's <laughs> like his thing like when when he'll he'll tweet that every time a team like that loses like yeah. I, I don't know if it, I, he might have tweeted the same thing john, about michigan state john came down here for what was it a banquet or something a couple years ago so at least he's familiar with the jag program to put to put that line in uh, perspective. Okay, so let's play a game. <clears throat> that guy loves college basketball. Yeah. Okay, so what did we say it was? 24 and a half? Yeah. What do you think the line was Purdue and Samford? Oh, I'm going to guess 20. It was 19 and a half. Pretty good, Lee. That was pretty good. Now, Samford's not. They're, they're FBS. Yeah. Right, but to your point, I mean... <laughs> That if you thought the twenty four and a half, I would. If if you think twenty four and a half is low for South and Mobile, I would just automatically assume you're a college basketball guy. Yeah. Would, if I told you South was twenty four and a half point favorite over Mobile, wouldn't you think that Purdue Samford line would be somewhat similar? Similar, I guess. By but the way, probably less. Twenty more than twenty five. Check rare. this out. Did you see the um, uh, YouTube? Edney's. Still with Purdue at seven four, he was jumping center against a guy who looked to be under. It'd be like jumping center against me, and it reminded me back when in nineteen fifty seven. Michael, you oh with my me? God, you with me? Yeah, I remember the yeah, seven year old references today. The championship game, North Carolina and Kansas, and Will Chamberlain at center. What it was he seven two seven three. North Carolina wanted to kind of put something in his head, so they had their smallest guy out there take the center jump to start the game against Will Chamberlain. So check out Edney, though. It's so funny to look at. He's jumping center against a guy who looks like he's about my size. Well, Bucky McMillan, who's the coach up at, at Sanford, has done a really – he was really clever and had a lot of fun on social media leading up to that game, talking about how they're 
they're trying to get better every day and today's goal is to get three inches taller and how we're gonna how we're gonna win the jump and the whole deal it's it's been really it's been entertaining stuff. yeah alabama plays purdue i believe in december and that was supposed to be a great center matchup are they going to canada for that one i believe it's in toronto and bidiaco yeah. who left is from alabama is from canada uh, so it's supposed to be Edie versus uh, BDO right, so in Toronto. Here's but. a gambling question for you, Michael. Okay. As my Not okay, like let's expert, let's just say, all right, uh, I'm going to use what Mark said. You, you, they said we'll go Purdue twenty better than Sanford. Would it be a safer bet to take that in basketball or in football? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Probably football. I don't think Purdue covered against Sanford last night. What so. was the final? I think they won by like 16. I I don't know. I didn't watch it. Well, I think it's easy to say uh, you're asking for the safer bet. Was, if there is such a thing, and I'm saying there probably I would say isn't. football. I would say football. Yeah. Purdue would murder. Probably would win by 40. Yeah. Auburn, Auburn beat Sanford by a lot of points. All right, let's take a break here and um, come back and wrap things up, give a sneak peek into tomorrow's show and all that good stuff. You want to talk to the gambler Lee Shervanian? You can do so. Uh, never fact, never mind. Purdue won by like fifty. Uh, <laughs> never mind. They yeah. won ninety-eight to forty-five. He rescinds his previous statement. <laughs> um, and you know, hang out. There might be at least one more reference to the nineteen fifties before we get out of here. Ninety-eight to forty-five. You think they held it for the last shot so they wouldn't go hundred? <laughs> I don't know. All right, hang with us. The opening kickoff continues. Hi, this is Philip Rivers, football coach at St. Michael Catholic. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Before we go any further, let me announce again, we got your plan set for uh, Saturday. If you're an Alabama fan, come on out, or an Auburn fan, I'll tell you why. In fact, everybody should be at the WNSP watch party this weekend on Saturday. You know where? The outsider, the corner of Cedar and Dolphin Street. Mark, why? Well... I'm glad you asked, Lee, because we're back out there. We'll be there watching the Alabama-Kentucky game kick off at 11 a.m. We're going to have T-shirt giveaways. That's right. As soon as you walk in, we're probably going to toss you a WNSP T-shirt. Plus, you'll have an opportunity to win an authentic Alabama jersey, compliments of the vault, and wait there's more. That's right. <laughs> like, what are you, like a game show? Yes. Well, I'm in like, game show mode. What like, uh, okay, What's what, behind door number what, three? Yeah. Okay, so door number one, T-shirt. Door number two, Alabama jersey. Door number three, you get a chance to register for Alabama-Auburn tickets. That's right. At um, Over there at the Outsider, between the two games, they're going to announce the winner. Now, you have to be present in order to win the tickets. So make plans to get to the outsider. And look, they got you covered for the game. 22 TVs, uh, beer specials, food specials, and a chance to win Iron Bowl tickets. Plus, WNSP is going to be out there. It's really the perfect storm. So make sure you get out to WNSP's watch party this Saturday over there at the outsider at the corner of Cedar and Dolphin Street. You know, I know that obviously anybody who goes there is, just wants to be tuned in to Alabama, Kentucky, but they're – 
I noticed on the schedule there's quite a few 11 a.m. games of note. I think Michigan-Penn State's even one of those games that start early. Michael, are you still driving up to Kentucky this weekend, or are you going to stay with us? It's still TBD. We're throwing around a lot of wild ideas yesterday. You know, I was thinking about going to Germany for the Patriots game on Sunday, but, uh, you can, know. Can they win over in Europe? I don't know. I wasn't really a thinking the Patriots are going to win idea. It's more of a going to Germany idea. But, uh, yeah, you know, that's probably not going to work out. Uh, I think they'll probably lose. They're a terrible, horrible, awful football team. So there aren't many good players on it. So, you know. Uh, one of Lee's favorite teams is uh, on the field as well at 11 a.m. The Army? Uh, close. The, the Air Force. Ar- is it Army or the Army? It's Yale. The Yale's <laughs> playing? And they're at Princeton. Oh, you can throw out the record book. Lee, Lee, Lee is all so over that. So you throw so out the right. record book. So they they have to go up against the Princeton offense. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah. What's what's what do they call the football offense up at Princeton? You want you want to know one of my favorite all time football names? I do. He was on really Princeton. Do. Cosmo Yakavazi was a great running back the when I was covering. World are when you I was covering Kako Yazavazi or whatever. Cosmo right. Yakavazi was one of the great running backs back in the seventies. Like Ooh, that's it's, what, not, it's like, not exactly fifty years, but you, it's you, close. You, you get you get that right, and then Zach Eady, who's been one of the best players in college basketball over the last three years, you can't get his name right. I don't I don't get it. I don't get Lee Shermaine. Wait till you get to be my age. <laughs> I, I'm impressed by the Cosmo No, if you if you make it, it I hope so. I hope so too. You'll see. You you start running names together. Uh, I have no way to verify that you're pronouncing Cosmo's name. And to your point, so. UAB is at the Navy. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. I actually never referred to Navy as the Navy. The so, Blazers so, against the Navy. It's so disrespectful. Why do you hate the Navy so much? I don't. Are you kidding me? You give I always the Army for, and the Air Force. Doesn't mean I dislike them. That's what it sounds like to me. You and Belichick I only, the Navy. I only rooted against Navy when they were facing Army back when. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> uh, all right, so tomorrow uh, we're scheduled to have uh, Richie. Richie Riley. What else you got? Chris Stewart. Yeah, I, I've heard of him. Terry Curtis. Really? Ooh. All right. We haven't had Terry on in a minute. They, uh, they're they on the road this week. And they're facing, okay, the interesting storyline going in, Michael, is? Into the, into the Terry Curtis interview? The fact that <laughs> <laughs> he is facing Danny Horn's team. They are the two winningest football coaches in the state of Alabama. That's right, yeah. So uh, what, what's the win-loss so you, I think Terry's three ahead of him. Am I correct on that? Three or four wins ahead of him. Uh, it's close. So there's a there's a pad there. There's a so it's possible. I was reading Ben Thomas's story. It's possible that if as it's Clay Chalkville, I think it is. I, if they win, that by the end of the playoffs, if they went all the way, he could either tie or surpass Terry. But mm. that's not to say. What if Terry beats them? Well, let's say if UMS Wright wins. Also, Brett Norsworthy is going to join us, too, for a couple of reasons. It might be more impressive if Terry went out there and beat him by himself, though. By himself, yeah. I'd yeah. say it would be. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what the point spread is on that. He's a good kicker. Brett's with the old uh, yeah. Miss Radio Network, and I really enjoy talking to him about the college football playoff and his thoughts on it, but also with Ole Miss playing Georgia this week. Oh, yeah. We got another college football playoff poll tonight. I, you think I, Alabama I, moves up? 
No. Uh, I, I don't think they stay. I don't think they do, but I think they should. Who would they replace? That's the key. I don't know. I, I'll tell you I, this. I mean, who would they re- – all the other teams above them won. I'll tell you this, Lee, um, and we don't really have time to debate it, so I get to just throw this out there and get out. Uh, Alabama beats Texas by two touchdowns in a rematch today. So. All right. That's, that's fine. Maybe three. But, I mean, who could they move up over, Mark? That's the question. I don't know. They should be. Um, Texas? <laughs> be hard to put them over yes. Texas after losing to them. That's it. And I'm going to make the statement because we don't have time to debate it. We didn't get into Alabama it Alabama jumps ahead of Texas. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, see ya. <laughs>